Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April the 18th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my post-Easter bunny. Why does that sound a lot worse than what it probably is? Because it is. On today's Wait, show, does that make me f- your Sean Spencer? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. He was the Easter today- bunny in the Bush administration. Oh my. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. We'll be discussing how the media doesn't understand video games. Nintendo discontinues the NES Classic Edition. There's a rumor that Halo 3 is finally coming to PC. The original StarCraft is now free. Crytek Shanghai closes after not paying employees for six months. We'll have our weekly community corner. With our Fonzie this week, we have Ghost Shark with a very long Star Wars letter. And we'll have our weekly discovery queue. Also, timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hey, how are you, Rachel? <laughs> Doing all right. Uh, Ghost Shark didn't manage to kill my Sherpa this time. Barely. Almost, yeah, almost. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a long one. Yeah, nursing him back to health after uh, you know, we're done with this. Yeah, I'm not going to cut any of the content of it, but I am going to cut out some of the silences and maybe speed it up by a percentage point or two. Knock, uh, knock one of those 16 minutes off of it. We'll see, though. We'll see. Wait, you're going to knock it down to six? No, no, no. Oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. I see what you did there. Nerd. So what's been going on for you this week, buddy? Uh, not a lot. Oh, that's good. That means that you won't waste much of the time that I'm about to spend talking about all the things for me. Yeah, you have a lot going on. I do. Some of it's actually gaming related, too, so it's not like we're stumbling off too far off track. For once. Yeah. Uh, I suppose I'll talk about the episode stuff at the end, because uh, it fits well with that section. But uh, I'm going to be getting a VR device soon. Uh, I bought the new Galaxy S8 Plus, and they're running a promotion with the the S8 and the S8 Plus. If you buy it right now, uh, you get a Gear VR for free. So that'll be here in the mail, hopefully in a couple of weeks. It didn't say, like, I redeemed the thing, and it didn't say how long it would take it to get here. So who knows? It may be six weeks, but I'm getting one in the relatively near future. So I'm joining the VR club, sort of. I mean, I've heard good things about the, the Gear VR, but it's not like it's plugged into a really powerful PC or anything, so it is a bit limited compared to other units. But still, I mean, mostly what I would probably use it for is like, hey, check out this neat experience for two minutes. And then, okay, I'm going to go sit in my giant movie theater and watch, I don't know, Star Wars Rogue One for the 50th time. Okay, so how is this different from uh, normal VR? I can take it with me on the road when I go see clients. Or on planes, or on boats, or to rooftop parties, and everyone else playing with their switches can can do that, and I can go sit in the corner and cry, and no one can see my. Have tears. your millennial uh, switch party on the rooftop. Yeah, yeah. I think I probably won't do this, but I would like to be like funny or dumb, and once we move into oh, our new house, worry. climb on top are. of the roof. 
climb on top of the roof and like take some pictures and like have a dance party or something. But okay, I do uh, that after we're, we're, we replace the roof. We're definitely going to have to have a backup co-host for when you slip and fall, fall off the myself. roof. That will happen. I'm super clumsy. This is sounding more and more like a bad idea the longer I think about it. No, 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 no. I'm going to completely redeem this idea with one suggestion. Okay. At the bottom of the roof, make sure you set up a camera. So we record it. Yes. Yeah, that works. Look at it this way. All the uh, YouTube hits, you're going to pay for your medical bills. (laughs) I have health insurance. I would just say that I was working on my roof. And I fell off. And you just posted to why they were why were they recording? <laughs> What's that? I'm, I'm, a, a I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. We record everything. Oh, there's my chair arm. I accidentally <laughs> clicked it and dropped it down a notch. Um I guess that's really the only thing that happened that's gaming related. And with me talking about the next few weeks at the end, there's really not much more to add here. I could tell you about the the clinic being shut down. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So the Lee Clinic, not my new clinic. I, I was about to say, um, didn't you just get that job? <laughs> it's temporarily shut down. There was a family who came in, and they all had lice. Lovely. And they didn't tell anybody until after session. <laughs> and it, they've got kid. They had kids, so they were like in all the toys and everything. And it's like, well. Oh. Uh, that's when you just burn the place to the ground and start over. Yeah, I was not there when that happened, so Duke the entire place from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah, but I received several text messages from people there this week, like "Ew, gross! Better check your hair for lice." It's like I haven't been there in days. They closed Friday for Good Friday, so I haven't actually been there since then. So I'm safe. As far as we know. Yeah, I guess it depends on what your definition of safe is, too. I mean, I'm yeah, safe Yeah, it depends on just how much you're going to be uh, dancing around on your roof. True. With Very a Gear true. VR. I mean, that's the that's the that's probably the bad idea is, hey, let me put a VR headset on while I'm dancing on an uneven roof. Wow, this flying game is so realistic. It's It feels like I'm actually flying. Dump. That's because you fell off the roof. Well, look at it this way. Uh, When the phone explodes in the VR device and blows your head clean off, falling off the roof is uh, the least of your problems. (laughs) I've got a really hard head. It probably wouldn't come clean off, but it would hurt. No, you'll just have uh, a Spider-Man. You'll you'll download the Spider-Man experience. The phone will explode in your face. (laughs) It'll be like the old Spider-Man movies. Fun times. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, there was a game that had Spider-Man in it once or a bunch of times. So yeah, and some of them were actually decent. Not of them on yeah. PC, but still, some of them were. What? But using that as an awful, <laughs> awful contrived segue, Rach. What games have you been playing this week? Uh, I played a couple of them. All right. Oh, oh, you want to go in specifics? Well, sorry, I none mean, of them about Spider-Man. I mean, if we're going to make our runtime, yeah, we should probably go into specifics about the games. <laughs> oh, if you insist. How about a uh, crappy uh, light version of XCOM? Okay. Shock Tactics. This Sounds was a, a failed Sunday sampler, just 
uh, it was more, I was just not feeling up to recording uh, than anything else. That, and it was doing some interesting things to my hardware. Okay. Let's talk about the hardware first uh, before we dive into the game itself. Uh, I was uh, doing my usual play test on this and I uh, had my headset on and I heard a noise. What the hell is that? Take my headset off and I hear this. This was making my video card run at 100% nonstop. Dang. It's not that intense. It's a (laughs) turn-based tactical RPG. Yeah, I, it it was one of those that it was making my video card just the fans go full tilt to the point that I heard it through my headset, which is actually quite impressive. But yeah, I, and I decided to fire up MSI Afterburner and found out, yeah, it was definitely, it was running my video card full tilt, pretty much nonstop, even with VSync on and locking it to 60 FPS. <laughs> So that also tells you how optimized this thing is. But shock tactics. Um, Here's the thing is that it's not a terrible game. It's not a good game. And it's terribly, terribly, terribly optimized. But it's one of those that if they fixed a couple of little things, it would actually be decent. Primarily how the camera handles. And I know, I know. Uh turn-based game doesn't matter that much. Actually, it does. Because they have the camera swing around so damn much that it's hard to keep track of what exactly the hell is going on. And because there's a lot of things on timers, a mission, you'll start up a mission and you'll have reinforcements coming in in a couple turns. Well, when the uh, cutscene plays for the reinforcements landing... Because the cameras moved around so much, you can't even tell where the ship was that they just landed in. <laughs> Which makes it a little bit more frustrating than it really should have been, you know? Yes. Oh, it's just one of the things. And also, the fact that... I'm not sure if it's just the angle or just the fact that none of the scenery uh, tries to fade out like XCOM does. But it feels very cluttered, the environment does. To the point where it's tough to... This is probably the entire thing, is that it's tough to tell what's going on, even though they actually give you a lot more info than XCOM does. Which is not a great thing, huh? No. No, it's not. That seems oxymoronic. It's actually quite impressive that they give you so much info and tell you so little, or confuse you so much just because of the camera. Uh, for example, one thing that I absolutely love, it uses the, I believe it's XCOM 2 that uses this. I know uh, a couple of uh, games does this where it's kind of a hybrid uh, action point system where you can move as much as you want, but as soon as you fire, you uh, it turns over for that character. I think XCOM 2 does that. I may be mistaken on that. I haven't actually played XCOM 2. I just did a little bit of searching and uh, digging, and it seems like it's a similar system to what XCOM 2 has. And that is an interesting way to do it, because whenever you're moving around, and if you have a new character come into sight that you didn't see an enemy come into sight, it'll actually stop your movement and allow you to adjust your tactics, which I liked, because that's one problem that I've always had with XCOM, is that 
they have this weird thing with XCOM where they try to rush you, but at the same time, they punish you if you rush. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where uh, the, well, the limited time resources on the first XCOM with the expansion, you had to rush to get those. But if you rush too much to get them, oh, you're suddenly jumped by the enemies that you didn't see. Yep, you trigger all the enemy spawns and then you're screwed. Yeah, and you're either save scumming or if you're Iron Man mode, uh, you're uh, starting a new game. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate save scum. So that is one thing that I do like, and the fact that they do show you all the line of sights from uh, every point, so that you don't run into the XCOM problem of, okay, I, this guy's here, why can't he shoot that guy? Well, this shows you, okay, if you move the guy here, you have a line of sight on these guys. If you move them here, you have a line of sight on these guys. And they have a uh, a distance meter for each gun where they show approximately just how uh, much of a chance you'll have to hit before you move. That's handy. Yeah, uh, Wasteland 2 has it as well, which I'll be talking about in just a little bit. There's a teaser for you where it'll uh, give you an idea of you know, your approximate chance to hit. I mean, granted, this is before they factor in cover and uh, other factors as well. But then they ha- have it where, okay, the guns, they don't tell you exactly what they do, so you have to learn them as you go. And uh, this is very important for a hit chance. Because what they do with this is that the hit chance isn't per attack. It's per bullet. So if you have a gun that has a burst fire that sh- that shoots three or four times... Shooting at someone that has a 25-30% hit chance suddenly gets a lot more attractive. Interesting, huh? Yeah. But the problem, some... is, but the problem is that the guns don't say, okay, this has a burst fire mode, or this doesn't have a burst fire mode. It's one of those that you have to sit down and learn. Right. And all the guns look very similar. Okay, you were saying? I was going to say that in some ways... Sounds great, and in some ways, it sounds frustrating. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a double-edged it's sword, stupid. definitely, because it's one of those things where okay, you're you're being fired on, you have a ten percent chance to be hit. Oh, and he has a gun that shoots five times. Yeah, and granted, I realize that okay, just because he's shooting five times doesn't mean that he suddenly has a fifty percent chance to hit. But we're also talking that false, po- uh, yeah, po- false positive where you're. you're uh, where the fact that, okay, you got hit when you had a, cha- a, a 10% chance of getting hit, or your guy missed when he had a 95% chance to get hit. You remember that a lot more than all the other times where, oh, they shot at you when they had a, a 15, 20% chance to hit you and you, and they missed. So it is that sort of thing as well. So it's kind of a mixture. It's, uh, I like that it makes it so that certain guns are more attractive for different uh uh different applications but at the same time they don't tell you which guns do what yeah and they expect you to sit down and learn it all the more i think about it i think the more i like that idea but you do need to have information to tell you yeah, how yeah, many shots you're how, fires and all that yeah it's kind of weird how the how the game gives you a lot of information but at the same time it doesn't because I love the fact that they have the line of sight indicators, because that is something that's desperately needed. But then yeah. they don't tell you, or at least, let's put it this way. I didn't see it on the guns. 
Now it could have been buried somewhere. It could have I could have just overlooked it, but it's not apparent. And also, everything is essentially a timed mission on this, similar to how XCOM 2 does it, where uh, the world map, it's a, a turn-based, uh, almost uh, overworld strategy as well, where you're taking your ATV around to different sites and running missions. And every m movement of the hex is a day, and you only have so many days, so you have to kind of prioritize what m missions you want to do some missions uh, generate resources continuously, so you want to do those earlier so you get a better result. Uh, some of them don't, but they give you more recruits. And also, the recruits, uh, you don't have a way to hire like an XCOM, uh, just straight out. Or I, I should say that I haven't, like I've said, I haven't played XCOM 2, so I may be off base on how XCOM 2 handles their recruitment system. But in XCOM 1, you basically had as many raw recruits as you could afford. But in this, you only have a handful and you have to essentially rescue your extra recruits. And if you don't, well, you could end up with a resource problem there as well. Yeah, I'm looking for a game and I might not be able to find it fast enough and that's fine, but it's a sci-fi game that does this. Like you're on Mars and you have missions and things that you have to do and you have a vehicle that you can send out to do them. That sounds very, very similar. It even has a turn-based battle system as well. Although it's not uh, grid-based like uh, the XCOM series. Yeah, this is very XCOM-like in a lot of ways. But at the same time, they give you a lot less information in the places that matter. And a lot more in places that, it, yes, it matters, but not nearly as much as other places. It's just really weird, and the camera just is a real deal-breaker for me, which it just seems so weird to say, oh, the camera's a deal-breaker in a, in a uh, turn-based strategy, and so you have as much time as you want during the turns. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it sucks, it sucks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's even before you start getting to where it was making my RX 480 run 100% full time. I mean, that's just... Uh, what the hell is it uh, calculating on the back end of things? Many, many things. I mean, was it trying to find the next digit of pa? Many things. <laughs> we can't tell you, though. Oh, sorry. They're just uh, mining bitcoins. Here it is. The game <laughs> I was talking about. UFO Afterlight. It's a game that came out several years ago. But it's got the same sort of system. You have things like missions that you can do that will give you uh, constant stream of resources and then other missions that, I mean, you either have to do to survive or they give you big rewards, but yeah, nothing and there's like also over the long term. Yeah, and there's also story-based missions that you have a certain amount of time to do. And also, whenever someone gets injured, it's very XCOM-like where it takes so many days for them to recover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if you haven't been doing the side objectives where you'll have the other guys uh, in reserve, well, you're either bringing guys in that are severely injured to begin with and maybe uh, losing them because, you know, they have half health, or you're just trying to go in with a smaller squad. And it's also very, it, it's very easy to lose track of who's who because everyone's wearing essentially spacesuits. 
and sure you can recolor them and there's some uh, changing of uh, patterns and stuff but it's very similar there's it's not like an XCOM where the different classes have a different style of uh, armor you know what I'm talking about yeah and also the fact that okay the classes they each get three abilities total and then you have a training center where you can teach them three more outside of battle but those are a common pool so it comes down to the classes don't matter as much to begin with the only thing the classes do is give you stat bonuses and those couple abilities which honestly most of them didn't look all that earth shattering yeah the aesthetics for this are not super great yeah, but for some reason it runs a, a RX four eighty at full tilt nonstop, and I did Told confirm you, that doing things. And I did confirm that in MSI Afterburner, by the way. And it wasn't my CPU uh, offloading, uh, uh, well, offloading the workload because uh, my CPU was actually kind of bored on this one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you said you could hear it through your headphones, your your four eighties fan. Yeah. Yeah, which usually the uh, the 480, if the fan is going, is, you know, uh, 20, 30%. Whenever I shut down the game and I, by the time I got uh, the monitoring program up and running, it was showing the fan running at 65, 70%. Which is just, outside of just running a, a system te- check every so often to make sure, hey, are the fans still there? Yeah, they're still there. I've never had the fans run that high. Quite impressive for a game that doesn't look it, huh? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, shall we move along to another game, or do you want to talk about uh, crappy uh, XCOM some more? Or do you have no, any questions can... about it? No. I'm actually thinking about reinstalling um, UFO Afterlight. I haven't played it in several years. Oh, Sorry well... for any updates to it, but I have a much better PC, so... Yeah. Well, the other game that I've spent some time with, well, one of the other games I've spent some other times with, because I have three games this week, is I spent a couple evenings with Wasteland 2. This is a RPG, a very, very deep RPG, almost a Davidi Original Sin-like, where it's a CRPG where there's a lot of choices, there's a lot of stuff that you can miss if you don't know it's there, which I kind of like. It's one of those things that well, uh, Yahtzee had a article this week uh, talking about how RPGs just aren't RPGs anymore. They're, you know, almost uh, a movie-esque where they expect the player to do everything uh, at once. And this is definitely not that type of game. So for those who don't know, Wasteland is a, a sci-fi game set in, I believe it's Arizona after the apocalypse. Uh, granted, I haven't played too much of the game yet. I'm only a few hours in, which is, you know, not even getting to the uh, opening city, or I guess I should say the opening up the base, because it does have that thing where, okay, you just joined our group, but we're not letting you into the base yet. We're going to have you test yourself. Uh, yeah, we're going to put you uh, through this uh, test, and we're not going to equip you properly. But I love that, that you could call them out on it as well. <laughs> 
Nice. Wasteland 2 has been... I, I haven't played it. It's actually on my wish list as one of the only CRPGs that looks like it interests me. I just have never gotten around to playing it. Well, it has a lot of similar, similarities to Divinity in the way it handles things. There's a lot of things that you can miss if you don't know about them or that if you don't have the proper skills. There's a certain sense of humor to it as well that it definitely takes itself seriously, but at the same time, there's uh, a, some of the stuff almost Fallout-esque almost. Or at least it seems that way. For example, in the opening area, there's a guy that uh, is trying to scrub graffiti off of a wall. Well, that's a hidden thing where if you have this certain skill and go to this certain little cave, you could give, you could get him a can of spray paint. And it's very easy to miss and you have to have a, uh, essentially a skilled, or a, a stat dump, uh, stat in order to just get that. But if you do, then, you know, it unlocks, uh, the ability to, uh, get this book to improve your brawling skill. And that's the thing, is that it, this game opens up a lot of different possibilities to how you play. Uh, my group, you actually play four characters in this, uh, opposed to Divinity, where you're playing two. Well, uh, well, well, you're playing four in uh, Divinity as well, but you're able to create all four in this. And then you have additional members that join the squad at, at certain points. So think of it as a Almost defending like where you have the four person party, but then you have extras. I'm not right. explaining this very well, am I? <laughs> no, 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 you're. I'm tracking. Uh, I'm but, trying to decide whether or not I want to buy this or wait for a sale. Probably wait for a sale. Well, especially since you're. Uh, well, uh, hopefully we're still playing Divinity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the main difference between the two is really. It, there's almost some XCOM-like uh, elements into it as well, where it has the hit percentages with all the guns. It, you have to deal with ammo, which in the beginning of the game is a severe resource uh, hog. You know, you have to make sure all your guys are outfitted, but it seems like as it goes along, unless you start swapping out uh, types of guns, it's not going to be that big a deal, as long as you're just you know careful with it. And there's a, oh, here, I'm going to sell it to you. Uh, there's a lot of subcrafting and, uh, breaking down weapons for, uh, gun improvements. And I know I how you love your crafting. I love crafting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You spent many of hours in Divinity just, uh, putting random shit together. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> and I some will spend of it, many more. Yeah. And some of it uh, hasn't even made it to the series. <laughs> some of it yes a little bit <laughs> but yeah it has a very very deep uh weapon improvement system where you'll break down different weapons and get parts that you can put together into other uh weapon improvements like i said i'm not i'm barely barely scratching the surface of this game still isn't uh doesn't total biscuit have a character in it yeah yeah he does he actually had a giveaway at one point where you had to kill his character and it's very deep in the game. It's one of those things that after playing it for a bit, it's like, oh wait, I remember something. Oh yeah, Total Biscuit. 
<laughs> but it's... Uh, I, I kind of want to go back and play the first one, and I have the first one on Steam, but it's one of those games that... It's getting to the point where it's tough to go to, uh, go back... Yo, it's uh, a it's from 1988. <laughs> yeah, the original is pretty old. Did they remaster it? Oh, well, it's on Steam. I'm not sure if it's remastered or not, but Wasteland. Uh, well, actually, I think if you get a certain edition of it, you do get or with Wasteland Two, you do get the original. Oh no, that's not remastered. No, <laughs> probably just. Uh, I think uh, it's the digital deluxe edition. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, shoo. there's a lot to it, and it's going to be my ongoing project, especially after getting through Life is Strange for uh, this coming week to, for the game club next week. Yeah. And, well, and setting up for what we're planning on for next month. Teaser! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is a game that, it's one of those that, if modern RPGs are too shallow for you, and you don't like sci-fi or, or, or sorry if you don't like fantasy and like sci-fi and it's really comes down to okay do you want divinity or do you want uh, wasteland for your crpgs these days and then yeah if i guess you want it would more be action rpg you would go more well depending on the camera style you could go witcher or you could go for diablo or path of exile but diablo path of exile start to get down to the ludathons Right, RPG has kind of uh, really dumped itself down these year, uh, past three, few years, hasn't it? Well, it's become one of those sort of catch-alls like, oh, yeah, is there any true. amount of leveling or storytelling or decision-making? Yeah, yeah, RPG. RPG elements. Yeah, or they'll uh, take out some RPG elements to make it more of a shooter, like, oh, let's pick a game almost at random. Oh, how about Mass Effect? Where, yeah, but Mass Effect got better when it did that, so... Uh, to a degree, but at the same time, uh, I think they pushed it a little too far, where it became more of a shooter with RPG elements than an RPG. Mass Effect 2 was definitely the best example of the sort of uh, link between worlds or whatever. Like the They ripped out all of the crappy stuff from Mass Effect 1 that everyone hated, but they didn't take out so much stuff that it was dumbed down, which is what happened in Mass Effect 3. Well, also, they tried to <laughs> sell a, an important uh, character as pre-order DLC and pissed off a fair amount of people. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else I really want to talk about on uh, Wasteland 2. Like, uh, barely, barely scratching the surface on this game. And I've already restarted the game twice, just trying out different characters and different builds because it's one of those games where you have, where you have all, all the characters. Uh, you want to tr almost fall into the archetype of, okay, this guy's the healer. This guy's going to uh, be one of my primary damage dealers, but then you fall into the problem, okay, my healer just died and I didn't give healer abilities to anyone else. And he's saying they're bleeding out. Fuck. Gotta carry around one of them there Phoenix Downs, buddy. Didn't work for Aerith. 
Yes, but the story dictated she must die. So, video game logic. Ding. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but if uh, getting a sword jam through you makes a phoenix down to work well. There's a lot of those uh, fights in Final Fantasy VII that you know, I would have been screwed. Indeed. But then again, we also start falling back on, well, why didn't the fuck did she uh, go absolutely batshit whenever I got her killed before? Oh, wait. Uh, I didn't have uh, put the MacGuffin on her corpse. Valkyria Chronicles, everyone. Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> yep. The MacGuffin. Blow me some MacGuffin. All right, what else did you play this week? Okay, wrapping up, I picked up uh, Endless Space when it went for a dollar. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I was about to say, I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, and I didn't put a lot of time into it because, well, I wanted to try Wasteland 2 instead. And, you know, I just thought, you know, at least give it a look, see how it is. And the tutorial sucks. Yeah, Endless Space uh, is really frustrating for a while. And then you figure it out, and you're like, okay, this is actually a really competent uh, 4X space strategy game. But I, mean, I could definitely see it, but the thing is that they tell you just enough to confuse you. <laughs> yeah. That, that They set up the tutorial terribly, where, okay, well, here, let's have an info dump every time you open up a window, and you forget all of it in five minutes. Yep, the worst way to do a tutorial. Just here's everything that this screen does. It's like, but I'm not using any of this right now, so yeah, I'll this is important all. to me. And uh, yeah, the in twelve hours when I'm actually looking for that button, yeah. Uh, but that's probably the frustrating part about uh, tutorials like that is that it shows you what the game could be, but you're on turn two, so you don't need that yet. Yeah. And for as much as uh, it made the demo kind of suck for Civ Six, at least the demo for Civ Six going through that tutorial, if you didn't know how to play Civ, it would teach you. Yeah. Granted, it gives you no time to learn some of the deeper mechanics because, you know, 60 turns for the uh, full game or the tutorial, which is very limited, but eh, that's, uh, you know, a different kettle fish if you. Or I guess I should say a different civilization, a different a different Duke for Gandhi. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> uh, but I didn't get to play too much of this. Like I said, I, I had my focus on Wasteland 2 and then Life is Strange. So it's more just picking up and uh, it's like, oh, this is really confusing and the tutorial kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean... Maybe if I had, if, maybe if it had been, you know, nearly twenty years since I played Masters of Orion, <laughs> then I would be able to pick this up a lot quicker. Yeah, it's. I'll say for me, it's been a while since I played it, but I have played two or three full games all the way through. Um, some of the things that it does really well uh, is not overwhelming you when you're actually playing the game. Uh, no, it's not just when they're given the tutorial. Yeah, no, the tutorial is terrible. But um, it does sort of the whole big picture thing. Like, hey, you're the emperor of your civilization. You don't need to build every single building on every single planet in your empire. Just order your people around and uh, set up planets to do, like, things. And we'll handle all the difficult stuff. 
And so that's nice unless you're someone who likes to play, you know, if, take a hundred hours to do a single turn once your empire gets big. Um, the Meanwhile, combat, Space Gandhi's looking for the nuke button. The combat's pretty straightforward and a little weird, but I kind of like it. Um, I didn't get to the combat yet because the, I, I was too frustrated with the tutorial. So combat is, you don't have very much of a, of a hand in combat. Uh, it mostly goes by, it, it happens in three phases. Uh, your ships start at like long range, and then they close to medium range, and then they close to short range. And you can use abilities based on like whatever generals or whoever you have. Yeah, they um, had some sort of hero units, and they didn't explain it all that well. Yeah, you can use abilities uh, for, for combat. For example, like different admirals will have different abilities that you can use to help you out um, during combat. And each phase you can choose uh, sort of like a, I guess the best way to say it is a stance. And your ships will, for example, if your ships are, have really crappy long-range weapons, then for the long-range phase, instead of being offensive, you should choose to be defensive. Because you're not going to do very much damage, and you want to avoid taking as much damage as possible. Like that sort of thing. So general... Uh, and most of it comes down to how well your ships have been designed beforehand. It's got a pretty robust ship designing system, so that's always yeah, nice. Yeah, I only got to play around a little bit with it because I only got, I think, five turns in, six turns. And it's like, okay, I, I want to go check out Wasteland 2 now because I yeah. don't want to spend uh, the evening to watch tutorials on this. The tech tree is insane. It yeah. is huge. Yeah, it's more of a uh, of a web, really, where you're starting in the middle and branching out in different directions depending on your focus. That is kind of neat. Yeah, that's a really neat idea. Although, if you make the wrong choices, like if you get neighbored up to someone who's really warlike and you don't focus on military technologies, it's impossible to come back because you have to invest so many points the other direction. Because the the you know since the tree builds yeah, on each other, that. the more resources you invest in one area, the more difficult it becomes to shift those resources to other areas as you're going along. So, I mean, it's got pros and cons. It's a neat system, but it it can screw you over. That actually happened to me the first time I played because I tend to focus more on economy and um, mining. Yeah, yeah, mining things like that. Uh, and I was right next to the most warlike um, race in my game. And they very oh, quickly space cut Gandhi. me off from the rest of space. And it's like, well, I have no fleets really to do anything. I'm screwed. Yeah, time to go for the religion victory. Indeed. Uh, send them uh, spaceships full of your uh, blue jeans and pop music. Yes. Culture victory. They blew them all up. But it's a fun game, honestly, though. Of the Endless games, Endless Legends is better than Endless Space. But, I mean, Endless Legends is very much like, okay, we learned our lesson from Endless Space uh, about the things that we did wrong, and let's fix them in this game. And Endless Legend is a completely different, like, it's a fantasy setting, and it's got a more traditional sort of tactical um, hex-based battle, or uh, hex-based maps. Mm-hmm. So it it gets a lot more into that traditional tactical combat, but I mean it's I think it's a fun game overall. But you really have to like forex strategy games to get past its nuances and really enjoy the game. 
It is complicated. But I mean, yeah, for but, a dollar, which yeah, is it was what it was on sale for. Yeah, it, it was definitely worth, worth picking up. And it's basically just trying to get people to play it to be able to sell Endless Space 2 and later. Because it's in development. I think it's due to come out before too long, actually. But is it? I, that would be I, nice. I'm just looking at the recent reviews, and there's a lot of people that bought it for a dollar, and it's like, I have no idea what this game is. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. As I at least knew what I was going into, and I've played Masters of Orion before, so I have some experience with the genre. It just, it's been a while, and getting past a new UI is always difficult, especially yeah, if it's been a couple decades since you played uh, something of that genre. Yeah. Endless Space 2 looks good, and I'm going to put it on the wish list. I didn't even know it was coming out. Looks like it's supposed to... Oh no, it's in early access now. Uh-oh. I'm not going to buy it right now. No, you're at least going to wait till you move to Camelot. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, is it my turn then? Well, it's kind of been your turn for a while because you have uh, have experience with Endless Space and it's me was more, man, this tutorial kind of sucks. Yeah, I guess I did take over Endless Space. <laughs> uh, uh, not that I can blame you because, like I said, I didn't have a lot of experience with it outside of, I'm kind of confused and this looks kind of neat, but yeah, yeah they need to figure out how to do tutor- tutorial better. Yeah. And okay. I did look on YouTube and, you know, uh, the basic tutorial, something like two hours, which isn't a turnoff to me because uh, I have played Dwarf Fortress and, you know, the tutorial for that is like a series that's something like 16 or 17 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've done a few of those in my time for various games. It's just I had other things to do. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, I played two games this week. Uh, one of them is the Elder Scrolls Online, Tamriel Unlimited. They had a free, I think it was a free week. It was like five or six days that you could play it for free. Yeah. Uh, and then if you bought it, it was, I think, 66% off. It was like five or six bucks. Um, and so I played it, and I enjoyed it, and I bought it. Uh, but this definitely should be a free-to-play game. I mean, it's got the entire, like, free-to-play everything in it, like, the store. Like, I mean, you played Wildstar. I think they just took Wildstar's store and copied it and then changed the aesthetic to be Elder Scrolls lore-friendly. Are you talking about the game itself or uh, just the store? Because that's just, one thing I've heard uh, complained about is that uh, it, this is essentially a bog-standard MMO with Elder Scrolls put over it. No, just the store. Uh, and I don't think that that's or, true. Or to be fair, this was at least near launch when I've heard people talk about this, so maybe they've improved it since then. But then again, I really don't like Skyrim, so I haven't liked the direction that they've been taking the Elder Scrolls series in general. I think you would like this better than Skyrim. It feels to me well, to very be fair, much that like is Oblivion. A low bar. It feels to me very much like Oblivion. Not quite as good as Oblivion. Uh, and it's hard to compare it to Morrowind just because of the severe difference in age, but uh, in uh, just general style as well. Because uh, Morrowind, it's a very unique game you know, from setting to just how they did mechanics. Yeah, but so Elder Scrolls Online is a lot of fun. Um, 
like I said, it reminds me very much of Oblivion in its sort of art style and feel and the way that the uh, interface is laid out for the most part. Uh, the menus are completely different. The menus are definitely MMO menus, which honestly works way better than anything that they put together because it's obviously designed around a PC inter- interface instead of a controller interface. Well, to be fair, a lot of the UI since Oblivion has sucked. Yeah, so the UI is great. Um, so, again, a quick question. Did they really capture the feel of uh, Oblivion? Had Patrick Stewart, Sean Bean, and about three other people voice all the uh, NPCs? No, actually, there are many different NPC voice actors. Um, so I guess obviously it's not, like not an Elder Scrolls game at all. Obviously not an Elder Scrolls game. I see where the, uh, people are coming from now. Yeah, there, there are a lot of different voice actors so far. I mean, there could be repeats later on in the game. I've only played for about four or five hours. Now, does anyone is... radically change their uh, voice style? You know, uh, talking like a, a beggar, then all of a sudden, hey, I'm a noble person instead, while they're still a beggar. Nope. Have Definitely not Elder like Scrolls. Run anything like that yet? No. Um, so yeah, very reminiscent of Oblivion in the way that the UI looks, except for the menus, which I mean are are MMO menus, but they work great compared to what we've been used to for the last few Elder Scrolls games because they're actually designed for keyboard and mouse, so they flow well and they look nice. Um, some of the systems, and I think that this is because of the MMO, but. Uh, or the MMO aspects, but there's a lot less in terms of, like, when you build a character, there's a lot less that you can... Like, you can't do everything, basically. Like, if you're going to be a mage... Sort of like what I was talking about with with Wasteland, really. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to be a mage, you should really focus on your magic and building up your uh, your magic uh, skill trees instead of building up, you know, your melee combat skill trees or whatever. Uh, and there's a tiny bit of crossover. Like, I use um, a staff. Uh, I've got a fire staff right now. And it has some crossover skills with two-handed weapons. So, I mean, I just kind of discovered that by accident. I grabbed so a two-handed. So, just wondered, do you have an intern as well? Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I started the game. I, I grabbed a two-handed sword because I like two-handed weapons as opposed to sword and shield in general. And then once I found a staff, I switched over. And then it opened up the staff skill tree. I was like, oh, there's some overlap between two-handed weapons and staffs, so I didn't really lose anything there from the first few levels. But I don't really know how good the story is or anything yet, because it's an MMO, so five hours is like nothing. Um, five hours uh, is basically what I played in <laughs> Wasteland, to be honest. Getting maybe at, to the second opening area. Yeah. Yeah, I got past this sort of intro area and got to the actual open uh open world portion uh and the first map that i've gotten is gigantic uh it's probably half the size of skyrim's map and this is just the first area so i think that's a good thing as long as there's stuff out there to do i mean that was one of the big complaints when the game launched but i haven't kept up with it over the years so i don't really know um what i was out there but i mean i got picked up several quests in the first area that are Definitely Elder Scrolls quests and not MMO quests. I don't have a single go collect ten bear asses, so that's nice. Uh, a yeah, whole but bunch the fact of... that they lock you out of things, if uh, yeah, so you can't be the uh, arch wizard that also happens to be the leader of both the fighters and uh, thieves guild. Yeah, you know, that's definitely not an Elder Scrolls game. 
Yeah, but I've kind of changed in the last <laughs> year or two where I don't really care about that stuff. I mean, I've played Fallout. I know, for... I know. It's just kind of uh, it's silly <clears throat> whenever you think about it, though, especially lore wise. And yeah, when they try to boost up the lore of an Elder Scrolls game, and then you start really sitting down and thinking about it. And Morrowind had the same problem with it. Uh, well, for the most part, I mean, there was things that Morrowind you would be locked out of if you did. Uh, uh, you had a choice uh, of the vampire houses. If you went into one, uh, you were locked out of all the others. Yeah, permanently. I don't know if there's too many things like that in this i mean there are definitely some paths that it's already like hinting at like hey uh there's these three great houses and you're gonna have to pick one of them that you're gonna have to join uh to fight for tamriel uh and it like it doesn't force you to at the very beginning but okay and i just joined a couple and eh, not too bad houses <laughs> um but... i don't know why i'm so uh punny today i i don't know i wish i had a pun to follow that but i don't um, but I mean, I, I so far I'm really enjoying my time with it. I like the way that they handle the combat system. It's a, a pretty big improvement, I think, over Skyrim, honestly, because uh, it dials back some of the stupidity of Skyrim, and it's like, hey, actually, you know, you should make a choice between doing this or that, and if you're gonna do this, then you're gonna be really bad at that. And it's got some amount of lock on, which I think is just supposed to help because it's an MMO and you know, for lag and things like that, but yeah. it actually makes all of the combat a lot more responsive because it, it just doesn't feel floaty, if that makes sense. Like in yeah, Skyrim... Uh, well, uh, I was going to say, uh, wow, uh, combat, you're essentially just sitting there flailing. Yeah, and this isn't that, though. I mean, there's you can move around and dodge, and it's very, very active. So, uh, closer to Guild Wars combat than WoW combat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or I would um, say even uh, Wildstar Combat because that oh, has it's it as well. Way more than Wildstar. Well, well, I would say, well, I was saying uh, similar to it where you have a lot of uh, dodging around and trying to avoid big attacks. Yeah, I mean, dodging and positioning is is very important, but you know, it's not floating and all over the place like it is in Skyrim. I mean, even with a mouse aiming things, sometimes in Skyrim is difficult, but it's not in in uh, Elder Scrolls Online. And again, that could be part of like aim assist or lock on just to help deal with the MMO aspects, but I like it. It makes combat feel a lot more responsive uh, and a lot more tactical because you do have the free flowing dodge elements and blocking and things like that. But also like whenever you attack someone, it's like, okay, I definitely hit him that time. I'm not like swinging wildly like a crazy person. I got him. So definitely not wild combat. Um, and it removes some of the stupid things that I hated in Skyrim, like wands only have so, or not wands, stabs only have so much magic charge, and then you have to recharge them. But if you're a magic user, you just use your magicka to use your wand, and it uses like a very, or your your staff, and it uses like a very teeny tiny amount of magicka. And if you have put some extra points into it and built a mage type character, like you really won't even notice. But that means that your uh, staff is never going to run out. In combat. Well, that's more of a just a uh, Elder Scrolls mechanic in general. How enchanting's always worked. Enchanting has always worked as uh, your enchanted items, your rings, and well, the stabs in uh, Skyrim, which, and, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's in Oblivion and uh, further back as well. As a matter of fact, it, I know it is in Oblivion. I can't recall Morrowind because I didn't play a major Morrowind because that 
was an exercise in pain with how they did ma- the magic system in Morrowind. Yeah. Uh, it was always used as an additional item, as a sort of, okay, you're, you have your spells and this instead of using it as your focus item. You know, of what you're channeling through. Yeah. Th- uh, think of it as your magic is your gun, uh, if you we want to go into a more like sci-fi almost, and all your enchanted items were your extra tools, your grenades, your uh, bed packs, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's how I always treated the magic system in the Elder Scrolls series. Granted, I rarely played a magic-heavy character, so it didn't affect me too much. But I can see where it makes more sense, where especially for an MMO where. The staff it isn't an extra bonus item, it, or yeah, an extra bonus spell or ability for that you know, when you need that extra oomph or just need to finish something off in your depleting uh, your magicka. But it's your weapon; it's what you're channeling through instead of just that extra oomph. Yeah. Also, I like whenever you do a power attack with a staff, um, you channel magic through it. So. Normally, like, the staff just shoots little fireballs, but whenever I do a power attack, it shoots, like, a constant stream of fire, which is, I like that. It's a nice little touch. Um, and then if you have the staff of uh, Samsung, it blows up. But, um, that's the mod that replaces fireballs with Samsung <laughs> Galaxy Note 7s. Um, yeah, and then uh, Samsung sues the mod creator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... It also has, I mean, this is just standard MMO stuff, but with hotbars, but that makes combat so much better when you're a magic user, because in every other Elder Scrolls, well, in the other modern Elder Scrolls games, you have to switch back and forth between what spells you want to use, but now you just assign them to, you know, the number keys, one, two, three, four, etc. So Yeah, you'd have your hot, uh, you'd have your hot, uh, uh, well, your hot bar essentially, and, uh, more wind and Skyrim and uh, Oblivion, but it was always very limited. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so far, like I said, I'm liking it. There are a few things I don't like. On the technical side, I'm guessing it's just like an issue with either my drivers for uh, the 480 or it just doesn't play well with AMD, but grass, all of the additional grass textures like that you can turn on flicker. So I've had to turn those off, which is not that big of a deal. It's just like extra stuff all of the normal stuff is fine but the extra stuff flickers and i don't understand why um, uh z fighting perhaps z what uh z fighting uh, meaning that it uh, a texture is trying to go over another texture yeah no uh, that's yeah. what z fighting is called whenever you see some uh this is very particular on uh larger surfaces where you'll see like uh, it's two uh textures trying to fight uh especially uh the, the thing that I can think of first of all is like a blood splatter on a wall. If you see a blood splatter on a wall and you see it flicker where the wall uh, it'll disappear and reappear really quickly, that's called Z fighting. It's basically the two textures are occupying essentially the same spot, and depending on how you move, uh, the two try to uh, fight one another for that Z coordinate. Yeah, that's actually exactly what it's doing. So it's and Z it's... fighting on the uh, grass textures. Yep. But I mean, I, I've just turned it off. If if it 
is a driver issue, I mean, I'll check and update my drivers if they're not up to date. I'll try it again. If it's, you know, just some sort of incompatibility or something, I'll just leave it turned off. Um, and in general, though, the options menu is pretty weak for this game. Uh, there's not a lot of lot of stuff you can do. Not much that you can customize. You just mostly have to go with the presets, and then you've yeah, got a few options like high dynamic range and bloom and um, motion blur and stuff like that that you can turn on or off. But that's about it. Uh, although it does have good f- field of view, the default's a hundred, and it goes up to a hundred and forty, hundred thirty. I checked it, but I don't remember exactly how high it goes. It's either 130 or 140, so that's nice. Um, and uh, I hate the inventory system, or not the inventory system, but the way that it, it does like your encumbrance. In every other single Bethesda game that has encumbrance, it's just you can carry this many units, you know, pounds or whatever. And, and if you uh, carry a feather more, oh, I can't move. Yep. But, uh, and you know, these items weigh this much, but it doesn't work that way. You start with 60 slots, and different items take up different amounts of slots. But uh, the a, items... a Diablo esque uh, almost puzzle thing where you have uh, so much uh, you can fit on it? No, it's just a number. There's not a like a puzzle grid you have to fit, it's just a number. And you know, like a sword will take up four slots or four, you know, four things, but and that would be okay. Uh, but things don't always match how many slots they say they take up. Like, a potion says it takes up one slot, but it doesn't. It'll just take up, like, that zero. stack. It'll take up a zero. And, like, you can stack several before it, it, and then it jumps up to, like, three. It's like, wait, you were at zero just a second ago. Why does adding one more potion of this stack bump it up to three? And my guess is either some kind of rounding error or there's something in the options menu that you can do to change it, and I just haven't found it yet. But it's it's annoying. Because it's like, oh, I've got 15 slots left, and I pick up, like, I, I don't know, I open a chest, and I take out a couple items, and it's like, oh, you're over-encumbered. It's like, why does a, a, a ring and an apple take up 15 slots, or pounds, or whatever? It's, it's dumb. I don't like it. And then, That's one big apple. hey I haven't had a chance to check out the crafting system yet. Um, I don't know if you have to go to like, crafting stations or if it's a skill that you learn or what. But, I mean, I'm picking up crafting items everywhere and just storing them in my bag and hoping I don't go get overweight. But so far I can't use it. But, I, I mean, I would not pay 30 bucks for this game. Which is, I think, its retail price. Um, uh, I keep chattering. Away, I'll check. Yeah, I would not pay whatever the full price is for this game because it's very clearly a free-to-play system, and they're just currently charging people for it. I guess for as long as they can uh, get away the with it. Gold edition sixty. I bought the normal one. Uh, I think it's just called Tamriel Unlimited. Oh, all right. Uh, well, I just went to the gold edition because that uh, uh, has all the DLC and extra packs in it and everything. Yeah, Actually, it shows that you want that, so it, I doubt you bought that one. Let's see where it uh, looks like they have a subscription plan as well uh, through Steam. Yeah, it's like your standard MMO, like fifteen bucks a month. Yeah, and that I mean, as long as you subscribe, yeah, it's thirty for Tamio Unlimited. Yeah. 
I mean, the game's not worth 30 bucks because it's so clearly based on free-to-play, you know, mechanics. Um, I suppose if you're going to subscribe monthly, then that would be okay. Because if you're a monthly subscriber, I mean, you you still get everything and you get a bunch of currency to spend in the store and and uh, yeah, things like that. Yeah, but you could also just buy cur- the currency outright. You can. Absolutely, you can. Yeah. Um, 750 crowns for 8 bucks. Yeah, I got 500 crowns um, when I bought it uh, on sale, and that's like five or six bucks, and that's what I paid for it. So, I, I mean, I think it's worth that, but if it ever goes free to play, I mean, just play it for free. There's no reason to spend any money on it right now. I think I'd rather just play Wildstar at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Elder Scrolls fan. There's a lot of lore in the game, obviously. It's set in the past, so if you... Are like me, and you read the books, you recognize some of the characters and the things that people are talking about. It's like, oh, I read the book in Skyrim or Oblivion about this. But, I mean, if you're not a big Elder Scrolls fan, unless the game goes free to play, it's probably nothing here for you. But Yeah, that's the thing, is that I enjoyed uh, Morrowind. Um, Oblivion was eh, alright. I think they blew way too much of their budget getting Sean Bean and uh, Patrick Stewart, because... Well, they had Patrick Stewart in the game for, what, five minutes? Yeah, he's only in the beginning, and I think he does some narration that shows up at the end as well, but that's only... I don't remember know. that. I remember Sean Bean being the narrator for the end. I think I think Patrick Stewart gets, like, one more bit beyond just the very beginning. Uh, maybe. It just it, it felt like they used up so much of their budget that, you know, everything else felt kind of lackluster. Yeah. It just feels like the Elder Scrolls series that they need to do something with it because it's uh, well. That's the thing. To me, it's felt like it's gone downhill. But then again, I'm not the typical gamer on this because obviously uh, Skyrim is uh, sells just so so many copies at every single Steam sale. Yeah, I mean, I we've talked we talked about this at length. Yeah, on the Skyrim uh, game club episode, so I don't know if I want to keep talking about it and just point people back there because we've we're running dangerously close to entering into the same discussion we've had <laughs> a couple of times about the Elder Scrolls universe. I think I think that you would like um, Elder Scrolls Online Rage, but I don't think that you would like it enough to pay for it. You, I mean, if it ever goes free to play, check it out. I think you'd like it. Uh, or if it's ever on like a super cheap sale, you can get it for less than five bucks. Yeah, I think uh, it's worth that. Yeah, if I caught it for five bucks, it probably I would have picked it up. I just didn't pay attention to it. But then again, I don't really play a lot of MMOs these days. I'll fire up Wildstar every so often. My big free to play thing lately has just been going through really the single player content and very and uh, the occasional multiplayer battle, which feels so uh, good whenever you uh, play that. Oh, yeah. Would you? Here's one thing I forgot to mention. That would you like to guess how large the download is for Elder Scrolls Online? Uh, at least three, maybe four floppy disks. But um, well, you said it's in the past, so that's before Morrowind, and but um, <laughs> now take another shot. Oh, well, based on Wildstar, I would say 40 gigs at least. Mm, yep, you're definitely right on the at least part, but you could go higher. Oh, really? 
Oh, yeah. It's 70 gigabytes. I was about to double my guess and go 80. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, that's the initial download. And then there's another couple of downloads because, you know, it's an MMO with a launcher, so it has to update everything. Of In course. total, it's like 77 or 78 gigs worth of download. Well, I see why they gave it a free week. That way people could actually finish the download. Yeah. Yeah. I This is the first game in a long time that I've started the download and then just walked away. I mean, I have pretty decent internet. I can download most games in, you know, four, five, ten minutes. That's a good YouTube video. Yeah. But uh, this was like a 30-something minute download. Yeah, damn. That, that would take a while. <laughs> that, that's yeah. probably the better part of a day. So. Oh, no, actually, I take that back. That's probably like three, four hours. Yeah. I was downloading it in the middle of the night, so no one was sharing my internet connection. Ah. But, yeah, still. Uh, You know, and if you were downloading it in the past, it would be like a good four or five years. (laughs) All right. No, 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 no. Just think how long it would take to swap uh, between all the discs. Many hours of Uh, swapping. uh, Take a step. Please insert disc 13,000. 426. Oh shit, where did I put that one? I had it uh, just a couple of weeks ago. If I if I could be bothered, I would do the math to see how many floppy disks it would actually be to hold 70 gigabytes, but I can't be bothered to do the math. At least a dozen or two. Yeah, at least. Okay, well, the other game that I played this week was Naval Ops Commander, which I've talked about this game before. Um, I think it was when I was recommending games for people to check out uh, if you were going to be doing some emulation or had a place PS2 and wanted to play some PS2 games. Uh, what it is is a naval game. Uh, it's a Japanese game, so there's some really weird like sci-fi kookiness that's going on. Uh, and there's you play in Naval Ops Commander. You play a like a, a fleet commander. And you have a, a maximum total of four ships under your command. And one of them, the primary ship that's yours, uh, it's got a ship designer. You can build your ship and customize them. There's a ton of parts. Like, It starts in World War II technology, goes to the modern day, and then at a certain point, it jumps the shark and goes to sci-fi tech, and you get lasers and <laughs> massive rail guns. And well, like, can I put uh, lasers on the shark? You can. There's actually a, a, a submarine that's a shark. And uh, it's called, I think it's called the fin. And the only thing that you actually see of it when you're in the missions is like the fin sticking out of the water <laughs> as it goes along. It's really powerful, too. It it can mount some of the most powerful missile and torpedo weapons in the game. But it can't like have any deck guns or anything like that because it's a, a shark submarine. But anyways, um, it's a really good, like for me, I've played this game... A ton. I mean, I owned it originally for PS2, and I played it for years until I got rid of my PS2, and I play it via emulation for a month or two every year. Like, whenever I get in the mood for it, it's like, man, I'm, I'm missing that naval ops. I'll start a new game, and I'll pick one of the different uh, one of the different navies. You can be American, British, Japanese, or German, and each navy has a different focus and, like, things that it gets. Um I usually play American. I tend to focus on aircraft carriers and aircraft, and they have the largest selection of aircraft. Um, although the Germans get a flying saucer. So that's pretty cool. Because, of course, they do. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's just a lot of fun. I played through the first, I don't know, eight or nine missions, listening to podcasts over the course of a couple of nights this past week. Um, I'm still, like, in the early game stuff, so all the World War II technology, but... I mean, it's just a good, fun, for me at this point, podcasting game. I mean, it's got a really silly story. Uh, there's these ships that are warping in from another dimension, and you have to help protect them, and they'll help you fight this war against the bad guys who are, like, wrecking the other dimension and taking over the world with all this, like, crazy sci-fi tech that they've gotten from somewhere. I don't think it ever tells you. But... A lot of the sort of bosses in the game are based on like real world concepts or prototypes that never actually saw combat because they were stupid or the technology didn't exist to make them work. But obviously, this is a video game, so why not make a giant aircraft carrier out of ice that fires lasers? Why not? You know? Or a, a double hulled battleship that. Actually, I think I saw uh, that on Mythbusters once. The Habakkuk. It's actually a real military concept to build a ship out of ice. Uh, ice and, and newspapers, essentially, or ice and wood pulp. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was meant to be used uh, in the, what was the it, Arctic. Pacrete or something. Yeah, uh, I, I was trying to remember exactly what it was, but yeah, and they were testing to see if it would actually work. <laughs> it would be buoyant as hell until it melt. Yeah, yeah, that's why it was designed to be used in the Arctic. You would have the the cold to keep the outside. Um, from melting, and then they had uh, in the in the concept they had special coolant pipes that ran through it to keep the walls actually uh, frozen solid. Except if I recall correctly, that idea also appeared in a Jim Butcher book one time uh, during the Codex Alera series. Interesting. Yeah, yeah actually, series, it did. But I'm a very good book series. Uh, it's essentially a mixture of well the. The concept of it is the Lost Roman Legion plus Pokemon. Well, all right then. No, it, it sounds stupid as hell, but it's actually a really, really good book series. No, that doesn't sound stupid. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and uh, basically, every single person has their own special power. That uh, and there's the rock paper scissors aspect from Pokemon where. Uh, let's see the uh, the uh, people that are uh, more affiliated with ha- uh, with air if uh, are weak against uh, uh, earth based and or something like that. It's it's just a really weird uh, idea and it's done so well. <laughs> Welcome to the book portion of the podcast. But yeah, I mean it's just a fun game. Yeah, the thing that honestly keep, draws me in is the shipbuilding aspect of it um it's got a lot of detail especially for a system that was designed in the early 2000s you can modify all kinds of stuff different uh setups give you different sort of armor ratings and things like if you stick to a very traditional design and try and concentrate your your boilers and your turbines in the center of the ship you'll get like a very concentrated armor which is good against and resisting against torpedoes and things or if you spread your engines out because you're um It'll make your ship faster because you're using like an inline design, which is more efficient, but more susceptible to certain types of, of weapons fire and things like that. And it, it tells you all of that whenever you're building a ship. It's like, oh, it looks like you're using this. Here's what this is effective against. And it gives you like a little rating for it based on other things that you've done. It's just cool. I like it. And uh, it's a game that I've been playing for uh, over a decade now. 
off and on. It's got other games in the series, but Commander is my favorite just because you get to actually have some little ships that follow you around and you can give them orders and things. The uh, the Warship Gunner series, which is what this is a spinoff of, is uh, focused on a single ship. You just control the single ship. And Warship Gunner 2 has got like a straight out of anime story. It doesn't even <laughs> pretend to try and ground itself in reality all. It's just straight oh, so up Also, you're anime. dealing with Fabulous Hitler? Pretty much, actually. It's crazy. The, although the the uh, the ROM for the Warship Gunner games, I don't know why, but they have problems. Commander works perfectly, but it could just be the version of PS the PlayStation emulator that I'm using. I haven't updated it in a while. But anyways, that's enough about the games that I played. We went over our sixty minutes as well. We're doing good. Well, I'd rather go over than under, right? Absolutely, that's our motto. Over rather than under. Actually, our motto is we're incredibly lazy, but, you know. So, you ready to move our, on? I thought our motto was, wait, we have a motto? <laughs> Ambitious, but rubbish. <laughs> that's that's Top Gear's motto. I don't think they'd mind if we used it, though. It's pretty apt. Anyways, are you ready to move on to news topics, dear sir? I think so. Okie dokie. Well, uh, first topic we have is actually a general topic that's sort of based off of something that's happening in the news, uh, but we wanted to expand it a bit. The media doesn't understand video games. Yeah, this was triggered by a uh, well, a clip going around. I'm not going to link to it because it just encourages the bastards. Uh, right. To, uh, oh, also, this uh, starts off on a rather sensitive topic, and well, that's another reason why this is more of a general topic rather than focusing on that. Uh, the Cleveland shooter. Uh, he, well, uh, if you haven't watched the video, please don't because it's just encouraging uh, more of this. Uh, he committed a murder and filmed it in first person. And one of the hosts on CNN compared it to a video game. Uh huh. And there's been a fair amount of discussion on various places and this uh one clip of this uh, guy comparing uh this murder to how a first person video game is handled and he doesn't even say first person he, he blanket calls it video games and that's one thing that really pissed me off about it it's like talking about all music is about murdering cops because there's one rap song about uh, killing cops. Okay, I'm yep. sure there's, there's more than one rap song about that, but still, it's the same general idea. The amount of rap music, or the amount of rap songs that are about killing cops is infinitesimally small compared to all of music in general. Exactly. But it's the same basic idea of p- uh, painting this wide <laughs> brush because this one very niche idea. And this got us really going back and forth about how media just really doesn't understand video games in general. And this isn't just mass media as well. The whole 24-hour news cycle got to fill the airwaves, so we're going to say something stupid and just erode our credibility in the process. Uh, yeah. Game media does the same exact fucking th- same thing. Yeah, and it's not even just violence in video games in the media. 
Like every time something like this happens, like I have this massive desire urge to get on my soapbox and preach to the choir because you guys all know it. Let's let's all say it together. Video games don't cause violence. They never have. They never will. There's not been a single shred of evidence in the 15 or 20 years of research that's been done on video games to corroborate violence to video games. And in fact, studies find the opposite. People and societies in general that play lots of video games have lower instances of violent crime. Because instead of these kids being out in gangs or whatever, or people in general, they're playing video games with their friends. There have been quite a few major studies... Just uh, giving kids a shit to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same correlation that you see with after-school programs and sports programs and things like that. Kids that participate in these things are much less likely to participate in violent activities or criminal activities, I guess I should say, beyond violence. It's a correlation to other things besides just violent crime, but any criminal activity. Yeah, but here's the thing is that it's the older generation that just looks at video games the same way that their parents looked at rock and roll music. And I'm sure their parents looked at jazz music and their parents looked at film. Oh no, Shakespeare or whatever. Yeah. Film and <laughs> books. And, and it just goes further and further back at how the new thing, the new media, the new ideas are the cause of all society's problems. When, honestly, it's, well, these days, it's just the fact that it's a lot easier for shit like this to get out. It's, well, the last few months, I'm not sure what it is, if it's just been, you know, the news really focusing on this, but how live streaming violent crimes have become more in the, in the news. I mean, it's not just this uh, one shooting. It's been a string of things in mass media. And they're looking for a cause when it's them. That's They are definitely contributors. But the thing is, is it's like also these things are just going to happen as this the technology that we have develops and changes. And there's not one major like boogeyman to point a finger at, except I guess maybe progress but i mean there's so many benefits that even that the negatives you know and the risks are outweighed you know i mean mass the internet has sure has allowed tons of crimes to happen fraud credit card fraud has become so common online that credit card companies will for your first time just accept at face value what happened and no questions asked refund your money or whatever but also collaboration of medical research and mass instantaneous communication, which sure has its downsides too, but by and large has been helpful. And on and on and on. I could go on and on and on. It's just as technology develops, these things are going to happen. And you're right. The news media plays a big part in it. They're, you know, the older generation, the old guard going, oh my gosh, this new video game thing. It's causing these people to be murderers and sex fiends. And No, no, that's the rap music. No, that's remember the Mass Effect thing when Fox uh, News called Mass Effect a sex simulator. True, uh, or or it just makes you gay. One of the two. Wait, what one was that? Wasn't there? Uh, shoot, now I'm blanking on the game. There was another one. Maybe it was uh, uh, someone talking about Dragon Age, where 
the whole thing where there were so many gay characters there. Uh, now I'm blanking on where I saw that. I'm, or it may have been just people mocking it. Hell, if I know, because that's the thing is that uh, the satire of how mass media handles <laughs> video games is more serious than how mass media handles video games. So I typed into Google, and I'm going to regret this later, but video games make you gay. Oh boy, here we go. There are actually a number of articles from like right wing websites. That uh, then let's just call it Fox News, saying that somewhere that are making arguments for, for why video games turn your kids gay, and that kids should play more sports and less video games. <laughs> I mean, I'm heavily paraphrasing these, but that's the gist of what they're going for. Actually, and some of them are dead sites, dead links. So it's just like the headline that I guess exists in some cache or database or something. And nothing of value was lost. Although there's some interesting articles that have come up as well. Video games, the all-time 20 greatest queer video game characters, seven awesome video games with LGBT storylines. So there's some positives to this search as well. So I don't completely regret it, but I was just looking for like a news article or something. And you thought I was making that up? No, I didn't think you were making it up. I just <laughs> wanted to see where it came from. Um, and I'm blanking on where I originally saw that one, but... Oh, uh, there's just so much noise, and it's one of those things that, well, like we talked about, the news media just doesn't understand video games, and they're scared of them. Honestly, it seems like that uh, that way at least. Yeah. Where they're the entertainment these days. Video games is the biggest entertainment industry there is. Yeah. Bar done. Yep. I was it 2015 or 2016 when video games passed film as the largest entertainment media. I'm not sure. I'd have to go looking for that, and I'm it's sure you're an, about to. It's I'm fixing my hair right now. Actually, I don't have free hands. Gotta make yourself pretty. I just put my hair back in its ponytail. I had it down. <laughs> I was stroking it. Oh my. Um. But yeah, it's been in the last few years. Video games overtook the the film industry. Or the gaming industry overtook the filming industry as the uh, the largest entertainment industry in the world. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I think it's partly just the fact that they don't understand. Partly that, they, that they're looking for blame. And partly just groups trying to push their agenda with these tragedies. That's another thing, is that there's groups out there that are anti-video game, which is a little surprising if you think about it. <laughs> Because Why do could, you? Well, well, what could they be against in video games outside of the industry itself? Because honestly, video games, they don't have an agenda. Well, in general, I guess I should say. It's not like... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to paraphrase this because uh, we're actually way off topic at this point, aren't we? Maybe a little, but... Uh, we're... Video games, uh, it's one of those things where uh, groups look at video games and see them as an evil. They see them as uh, almost, well, religious groups are part of this, really, where they're looking at video games like they did rock and roll, like they uh, do rap music, where they see it as a moral sin. 
Yes, although I read an interesting book a couple of years ago called, what's it called, Of Games and God, and it's a, I believe it was a pastor, he's a, a younger pastor who wrote this book about video games and Christianity and how that that uh, Christians shouldn't be so harsh on people who, I mean, he he was honestly saying a lot of the things that we are, like the, you know, the older generation and the, the conservative leaning people are treating this like how uh their gener the generations before them treated you know metal and rock and rap and yeah. you know certain films and things like that. he's like yeah you know hey we're supposed to be accepting and loving and kind and we should use instead look how we can use video games as a tool it was it was a really good book actually i wish i'd found it when i was writing my uh my grad or what was it my uh senior thesis in in college which i wrote about the psychology of video games it would have been an, is an interesting uh, standpoint to have in addition to a lot of the research I did at the time. But that's, I suppose, a, an entirely different topic in and of itself. Mm, true. Or uh, kind of uh, tangential, but it is kind of uh, uh, related, really. Yeah. At some point, if I can dig it up, I should post that somewhere. You guys can go tear apart my college <laughs> paper. It's not too big. It's only like 25 or 26 pages. Only? Yeah, that's not, I mean, that's not too bad. Mm, I've true. written way bigger papers than that. But. But then we get uh, into how video game uh, media handles things as well. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do a good uh, job a either. A lot of that is more politically motivated uh, rather than, you know, having games uh, be a general evil, evil. It's this type of game or this type of character is this evil uh, thing and must be eradicated. Or this type of game player is going to be stereotyped and pigeonholed or something. Like, though, the thing that immediately springs to mind is the Mighty Number no. 9 ad that's like where that they're making fun of people who are also anime fans. Yeah. It's like the line is something like cries like an anime fan on prom night. Yeah, but to be fair, Mighty Number no. 9 was already a clusterfuck to begin with. So it's almost uh, like picky on No Man's Sky. Yeah. Not quite, but close to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that the hype machine from uh, games media is a misunderstanding of video games. Uh, perhaps. Uh, it's it, sort of... The, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the games media uh, turns has turned into a branch of the hype machine instead of pr trying to protect their customers and trying to inform consumers. It's turned into, uh, well, l let's hype up... Uh, well, uh, since we mentioned Mass Effect before, let's hype up Mass Effect and Drama and not mention... That, yeah, you know, the faces, uh, they look kind of shit. The animations are kind of bad. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll have that in our review, maybe. But we're going to uh, talk so, so much about the game upcoming. It's something that you don't see in any other form of media. Do you see how uh, movies are talked about like this? No. Oh, gosh, no. Films get torn to shreds all the time. Even, you know, deep, somewhere between, like, average to decent films receive mountains of negative criticism because the film industry has 
I mean, they're not immune to it, but I think that they've gotten past their sort of, I don't know, teenage years or whatever of the their industry. And film critics are, you know, film critics who hype praise like that uh, constantly are looked down upon like, you know, you're like they're sellouts or poor, bad critics because they can't point out flaws and things. Yeah, but games media, you'll have gamers are entitled because they didn't like how Mass Effect 3 ended. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. Maybe it's just the fact that the games industry is so young and got so big so quickly that we're still having the growing pains. We're not at the point where the games media could be objective uh, from the industry itself. Or at least as objective as something done with, by humans can be. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, unless you uh, uh, program the AIs to <laughs> review themselves. I wonder uh, but, if our future AI overlords will review video games like we do. Uh, well, you know, Russia is teaching Terminators how to shoot rob- uh, shoot guns right now. <laughs> Or did you see that article mm, floating no, I, around? I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> no, it's Dark Terminator. <laughs> but it's uh, kind of a strange thing how we've just uh, landed in this place where the uh, the rare critic is just... It feels like they're out of a completely different industry. Yeah, like Total Biscuit and Jim Sterling, you yeah, know, they, those are the two they act, all the time. Yeah, they, they are almost like movie critics uh, rather than game critics. Yeah, which, you know, sets them apart in the industry. And it's one of the reasons that they get, one, so much sort of, I guess, industry pull and then also so much industry flack. It's like, why won't you just step in line and be like everyone else? And they're like, no, we won't do that. I mean, there's others, too. I follow quite a few uh, video game critics that I feel like are very honest and give real legit criticism and we don't always agree but I feel like they are at least truthful in their criticism so but I mean those are like the two big guys and Jim literally is a big guy (laughs) I think he and I are about the same size except in height I think he's a little bit taller than me but yeah, but he also makes up for it with the the red tie. Yeah. The, the red tie is very slimming. Indeed. <laughs> uh, actually is, there trying to see. That, is there anything else that we really need to talk about on this? I mean, uh, we've kind of just kind of wandered around. and uh, This is almost just uh, blowing off steam over a lot of stuff, really, with uh, how games are handled in general. Yeah, every once in a while we have to get in our soapboxes and complain about stuff being stupid. I'm about to ask Jim Sterling on Twitter how tall he is. <laughs> only only if you follow up with, I don't know, they stack shit that high. <laughs> no, he would probably go along with it because he's Jim Sterling, but... <laughs> Uh. Oh, apparently I have a contact <laughs> called Dogs Love Chattanooga on Twitter. Who is this person? 
I don't know. I don't know who they are either. Oh, no, Actually, they, I think uh, I know. said the password to you. No. Well, that's let's, disappointing. Let's go to their website. <laughs> and welcome to the random Twitter portion of the podcast. Oh, this is like just a generic WordPress page. It even <laughs> still says "Hello World." <laughs> Actually, I think I know who the, who this people who these people would be. I think, but I'm not gonna call it any names or anything. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, uh, and the thing is, we talked about this, and we could always just dive into the whole GamerGate controversy as well, and how that morphed and changed. I'm not gonna lie; I'm not sure I understand GamerGate, despite following it as closely as I could. Uh, it's just, it just turned into a I, shouting match. Yeah, that's it, the loudest voices on either side uh, kind of overwhelmed what the core message of Gamergate was. And honestly, it still kind of is. They There's still some people that uh, talk about the ethics of video game journalism without that being a joke. But the thing is that a lot of that turned into, well, one, the initial Zoe post. Uh, people jumped to defend her, calling a lot of that sexist. And that's where a lot of that came from, from what I understand. And it's really a shame that it divulged into the shouting match, because as a core concept of what Gamergate was, I can fully support, you know... Uh, these game journalism, uh, these game journalists being held accountable for what they say and being ethical, being held to the uh, simple code of ethics that other media well, supposedly follows. I mean, let's be honest, sometimes that falls through as well. But then it just turned into, you're sexist. I'm not sexist. You're sexist. And the message just got lost. And it's really disappointing on just how that happened, really. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to move on, sir? I think so. Okie dokie. Next on our topic list, Nintendo discontinues the NES Classic Edition. Those dumb fuckers. I know. I don't know why they did this. Well, They still could <laughs> not supply enough units to meet demand. Well, I've I've sat down and I've thought about this, and I've got a couple of possibilities. For those who don't know, the Nintendo uh, NES Classic Edition is their essentially retro box of of what is it, thirty games in it? Yes, thirty games. Uh, that's uh, stylized like a little uh, mini uh, Nintendo uh, Entertainment System, and you plug it in. You, there you go, uh, and that's it. There's no uh, downloadable stuff. It's all just there. My first thought is licensing. They had these games licensed for a specific amount of time because not all of this is in-house developed Nintendo stuff. There is some Capcom stuff. There is some uh, Square Enix stuff or uh, Squaresoft at the time. So it may be just simply down to the evil of licensing and the fact that they weren't expecting this to be that popular, which, honestly, Nintendo has about the inverse problem of Square Enix where they vastly underestimate the demand 
while Square Enix uh, vastly overestimates. So it could just be simply down to licensing or the fact that we may see a version 2 coming out where they'll go to the Super Nintendo or they'll have another NES Classic Edition 2 with a different set of games or some different games. And that's what I'm really thinking is possibly a mixture of those two where they had a planned obsolescence of the uh, license to begin with and they wanted to put out a different version of it. That's the only thing I could think of that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. Because Nintendo has been notorious for making their stock, um, oh, what is the word? Oh, yeah, non-existent. Yeah. So I hadn't considered the licensing portion of it. Because um, it's been but- about six months since it launched, right? Yeah, it launched somewhere around uh, September, October last year. Like, it was specifically supposed to be a holiday product. Yeah, which and makes then me they think said, a licensing thing. Uh, yeah, just the uh, time frame of things. Yeah, then they said they were going to continue to produce new units going into the new year. Uh, and I don't think that they ever said, like, we're only going to do one more run or we're only going to do X amount. It was just a, a general, we're going to keep producing these. So, but, uh, the licensing part I hadn't considered, but I had considered, well, they're going to do a Super Nintendo version or a different version with different games, which I guess for the average consumer, it's like, oh, I've got to get all the games. But I mean, it's super easy to mod this console and put all, yeah. all of the games on it. So the fact that they have a built in <laughs> micro USB port. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm not really sure for a decent chunk of their users how uh, effective that would be. But still, I could see Nintendo doing that because Nintendo doesn't understand markets and the internet Nintendo, and how things work uh, online. Well, I've called them this before. They're the Apple of consoles where they have it where their console is set at a premium either in price with all the accessories, look at the Switch, or just they send out, you know, Five units per store. Whenever pre-orders have fifty, yeah. But I definitely see them. I, I mean, I I'm not interested in the NES Classic. I did not grow up in the NES era. I'd already moved on to Super Nintendo by the time I was old enough to start playing games. Uh, so the NES doesn't interest me. But I would be interested in a Super Nintendo or an N64 version, just to have like some physical hardware. I know I can emulate. And... I'm not sure if the NES would work as well, because that's the thing, is that uh, the, the NES era, specifically the NES, is in, lives in that era where uh, it was going to 3D and everything is really doesn't age all that well. I mean, let's be perfectly frank. I would totally play some classic Donkey Kong. <laughs> and uh, what are some other games that I played on Super Nintendo a lot when I was a kid? All the Donkey Kongs. I used to play those with my parents, actually. That was a lot of fun. Like, they would watch me play, and they would read the guidebook. And it's like, like, what the fuck is this? Tell me how to do stuff, and then, like, watch me fail a hundred times or whatever. And then I'd get mad. They'd be like, okay, go to bed. And then they'd play it until they could <laughs> beat it. And then I'd wake up the next day to go play again. They'd be like, okay, we beat it for you. I'd be like, wow. I was like four or five, I think. Maybe even a little bit younger. I might have been three. 
not 100% sure. I don't have very good memories from that age, as most people don't. But Yeah, I'd be interested in a Super Nintendo version and an N64 version, um, but nothing past that. I mean, I've got the Dolphin emulator. I haven't installed it yet, uh, just because I've been doing some PS2 stuff. But And I, I probably should get... See, the thing is, is that even though I've played a ton of N64 games, I don't look fondly back on very many of them. Yeah, true. The like I said, the N sixty four is uh, right around that era where uh, they were grasping new technology, and a lot of it doesn't age that well. The controller is just an absolute mess. Yeah, it's a stupid controller. Yeah, unless you have three hands, then it's fine. Maybe since I have a beard now, like I could hold it up to my face, and my beard could play. <laughs> could do like the the joystick. Now I'm just uh, imagining that uh, the robot chicken sketch where William Shatner's toupee was alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the shit. It would, it, would, it would have these adventures and come back with a, a, a Medal of Honor. It's like, what is this? And <laughs> put it in the drawer with all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah, I guess I don't I don't know why they don't continue selling them unless it's specifically planned obsolescence for another version of this this year or something to do with licensing which i hadn't considered before i don't see why nintendo does not want people's money the only other way i could see this happen see a issue here is if they're seeing this as cannibalizing the digital console the uh, you know their virtual console uh, on the switch when they roll that out which is just foolish because honestly, the people that want the NES Classic want it for the hardware. They want that cute little uh, brown, uh, sorry, uh, gray box, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you know, to sit on their shelf because yeah, it's nostalgia for them. And they've canceled uh, pretty much the entire run worldwide. They canceled in Europe, uh, the US, and they canceled the Famicom, which is the Japanese version of this. Yep. So it just seems so foolish. Uh, it has to be licensing. That's the only way this makes sense. It just uh, otherwise it's Nintendo being well, Nintendo. Nintendo. Yep. And that's probably the best way I could say it without sounding incredibly racist. <laughs> I don't know if it's racist or not to make that observation. I mean, in general, the Japanese do really struggle to understand modern internet and PC as in computer um, culture. Well, have you watched Avenue Q? Everything's a little bit racist. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, I don't know. They just went a different direction from the rest of the world. Or most of the rest of the world. There's, I mean, they're catching up. They'll get there eventually. I blame all the radiation. That might be part of it. <laughs> uh, there was some sort of mutant gene that evolved because of all the radiation and turned everything cute. Not sure if I feel ashamed or proud of that because we're the ones who who gave them all that radiation. 
Look at it this way. It created anime. I can handle that. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, are you ready to move on to our next news topic? I think so, but I think I need to go get some more water. Okie dokie. Well, let's take a trip down to the elevator, and we'll be right back. I guess I'll use this opportunity to go to the bathroom. Even though I could hold it for a while longer, just so you know. Well, I'm through a liter and a half of water, and I need to go get some more. Oh, you're doing good, then. All right, and we're back from our journey to the land of snackdom and bathroom breaks and beverages. We went up and down many floors and wonder why we don't put everything on the same floor. Well, that's because my apartment uh, has two floors. My house only has one floor. But I get I I don't know how this is funny <laughs> or relevant. So I'm just going to hit the eject button on this conversation. Let's go talk about our next Welcome news Welcome to the rest of the podcast uh, yeah. with that phrase. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how this is funny or relevant. There's <laughs> our motto. That's That should be our motto. I don't know how this is funny or relevant. I love it. That has to be the title of this episode. I have to make a quick note so that I don't forget. <laughs> Damn. Then I'll remember what to title the episode. Except I spelled relevant wrong. There, I fixed it. <laughs> Alright, our next news topic. There's a rumor that Halo 3 is finally coming to PC. Yeah, this is all stemming from an A&D uh, well, press conference and uh, show that uh, they had some Halo 3 artwork. And that's pretty much all where this is coming from, from what I can tell. But there is some things that kind of lean towards maybe Microsoft is uh, wanting some money for Halo. Yeah, I hope so. Because um, while they uh, are releasing Halo Wars, uh, the first one on PC. Yep, standalone. That on, yeah, that wasn't on uh, PC before. And yeah, this is the last piece of the trilogy that, uh, well... I made the joke, finish the fight, which that's what this is, really. I mean, it's the end of the original storyline, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Halo 3 is the, the end of the original trilogy. I mean, by that point, Halo had spawned a universe, but the the main three. That's I, I think it's or it's known as the, the Master Chief saga. I mean, he comes back in subsequent titles, but... Yeah, but know. the thing is that... It's been an incomplete story, you know, for ages on PC. Yeah, much like Half-Life. <laughs> yeah, you got one and two, but three, nowhere to be seen. But And I just delayed uh, Half-Life another day. You're welcome. But, uh, so the logic or the reasoning is, why would AMD have these images if it's not sort uh, of a That particular for... artwork yeah. is the thing. Yeah, because that's the Halo 3, one of the shots from the Halo 3 trailer, I believe. I had a poster of this in my dorm room in college. Nerd! Yeah, nerd. Had a bunch of them. Nerd! Um, although, one sort of counter-explanation is that AMD does build the custom chipsets for the Xbox consoles. So, 
perhaps for some sort of recognition or something. I mean, I think that's stretching it a little bit. It really doesn't make well, sense. Honestly, honestly, there's a lot but, of stretching on both sides of the argument for this, to be perfectly frank. That's true. I mean, they could have just received permission to use one of the most popular properties in gaming. Oh, funny. That didn't look like Minecraft. <laughs> I said one of. I mean, Master Chief has got to be in, like, the top ten, right? I mean, Nintendo holds most of the most recognizable characters, but, I mean, Master Chief is, has got to be up there, right? Uh, true, but uh, the thing is, Master Chief is also very generic, so it's it's one of those things that, uh, how can you tell Master Chief from someone else in the same armor? <laughs> I don't think Master Chief is... I think I think people would uh, recognize Halo uh, more than uh, Master Chief. Well, I mean, Master Chief, I think, fall is, is sort of like the the successful thing that everything else imitates. I mean, you know, we've talked multiple times about how Halo rewrote the rulebook for shooters, and I think Master Chief has become generic because he was so successful, so everyone tried to copy the Halo's formula. True. Looking back at just an older game that's uh, the problem of playing a retro game is you know this feels really generic because you know this was the uh spawning point of this mechanic of this mechanic of that mechanic of this mm-hmm. uh uh idea and uh halo is one of those that it's rife with it because it was one of the major ones that did the two uh weapon system before really it became popular it has a hybrid uh, hit point slash uh, regenerating health system. It uh, was one of the major uh, South High shooters. I mean, yes, I realize Doom uh, is also a South High shooter, but it's, it's I think it's one of the ones that made it more popular with everyone. Yeah. Definitely. I'm excited for this to be true i mean yeah i've gushed a lot here lately about my love for the halo franchise so can't imagine why obviously i would like it if this was the case but i'm not sure if i would buy it because if they release halo 3 it won't be too long until they release some kind of collection that has them i wouldn't be surprised if they ported the master chief collection which has halo 1 2 3 and 4 in it uh, and also Halo ODST, which was kind of the Halo 3 spinoff um, that they did. But I wouldn't be surprised if they released that, say, a year after Halo 3. And I could probably wait a year. I mean, I do have the Master Chief Collection on for Xbox, so if I really wanted a Halo fix, I could play it there. It would be better on PC, but I think I could wait a year to get my fix in. Yeah, I'm just uh, to get them all. looking around to see just how hard it is to get the PC version of Halo 2 and... It's pretty much, uh, you, it's once again, you can't get it digitally as far as I can tell. It's just all the physical copies and then it's plagued with uh, the cancer that is Games for Windows Live. Yeah. I could, I could totally. You, you, would, think, you would think a super so- soldier would uh, be uh, not susceptible to cancer like that. Huh. You would think. Well, I guess genetic engineering can only go so far. Actually, I think they killed, cured cancer in the Halo series in, like, the 22nd century. But that's beside the point. Um, I would I would be very happy, though, with a 
a digital version of the Master Chief Collection on PC. I'd be very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that yeah, it's very tough to play Halo. I mean, I had to do a lot of uh, messing around to even get Halo uh, or Combat Evolved to work correctly, and it's not recording properly. It's, I'm getting a micro stutter with it. I'd love to see a uh, updated version. Yeah, and just the fact that if I want to continue the Halo series, well, I have one option. It's Halo Two, and then assuming I could get it to work without uh, games for Windows Live, and uh, I'm not looking forward to uh, getting that working. And the thing is, you know, I don't even get the full story, <laughs> which is a little disappointing. That's why I kind of want to see this uh, come to fruition. I want to see the complete story, but I don't want to play with a damn controller to do it. Yeah. So speaking of the Halo Wars Definitive Edition, I just decided for for giggles oh to go check and see if you could buy it on the Microsoft Store since they're now releasing it on Steam. Uh-huh. It, nope. It doesn't look like you can buy it separately. You have to get the Ultimate Edition of Halo Wars 2 to get the Definitive Edition of Halo Wars. At least right now. They might switch it on whenever it goes live, but that's interesting. They're not releasing a Halo game standalone on the Microsoft Store. You get it on Steam, though. Well, to be fair, you are searching on the on the Microsoft Store, so who knows? It could be there, and the search function just fucked again. Possibly, but... Because uh, the Windows 10 Store is just... Uh, talk about cancer. Maybe by the 22nd century, we'll uh, cure and get rid of the uh, Windows 10 store. (laughs) Not likely. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything else you want to add to this topic? Uh, Not really. This is more just kind of a bullshitting. And uh, uh, I'm hoping uh, this uh, comes true because I would like to finish the story and not have to mess with. uh, Well, is there even an Xbox uh, emulator to uh, run it on? I don't uh, think there there's is. not a uh, there's not an Xbox 360 emulator, not a not a full one, anyways. Uh, there's like a like a tech sort of demo one that exists. That if you're really good at programming, you could probably get games to work. There is an original Xbox emulator, so you could at least play Halo 2. Uh, I think <laughs> Xbox doesn't have a lot of emulators. It doesn't have. Uh, Dearly, the emulation that uh, the PlayStation has. No. Particularly is, PS2, specifically. Which, from what I understand, it's due to the documentation of the chips. That, yeah, there's a lot more out there for the Sony chips, for how the PlayStation uh, is put together, really. And that's why they could uh, backwards uh, engineer it, reverse engineer it. Is that they're able to figure out, okay, this does this, this does this. Oh, so that's where, uh, why this uh, console sucks. Yeah, but the PS2 was pretty cool. Yeah, it it did have a lot of uh, classic games. Yeah. The thing is that uh, also, well, they the console's gone to the whole paid online thing, which even Nintendo's been uh, caught up in that cancer. Yeah. And that's why I'm not interested in consoles anymore. <laughs> Because I don't play online enough to justify the $60 to begin with. Yeah. It just seems so foolish, especially whatever a lot of it is peer-to-peer. Or at least it seems that way. 
I think most console online stuff is peer-to-peer. So you're paying them to essentially do matchmaking to run the server off your own console. Why are you paying them again? Free games, man. Um, You're paying them. Free games, man. You're paying them. Oh, you are done. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next news topic. The, Speaking of free games. Yeah, the original StarCraft is now free. It received an update, uh, or a patch, I guess, uh, and announced that you could pick it up for free. As far as I know, there's no time limit on this. Uh, yeah, this uh, was kind of out of the blue because they're talking about the remastered edition, which I think that's going to be a paid thing. I haven't been able to find any info if that's going to be paid or not. I I have no idea. No, I assume it's paid, but I don't know that for sure. But the fact that they put out the original uh, StarCraft and its expansion for free is a little surprising. Yeah. It's one of those things that uh, this uh, is not the... uh, the source of uh, RTS, but it's one of the first really popular RTS. Yeah, it was one of the RTSs that sort of paved the way, you know? Yeah, and then Korea lost their shit. Yeah. Or at least South Korea. (laughs) So, what they patched in was support sort of out of the box, as long as you get the patch for uh, Windows 7, 8, and 10, um, updated a bunch of stuff so that it works properly you know, at modern day resolutions. Uh, looks like I mean they added some other things like display your actions per minute. Uh, uh, put in the uh, pretty much mode. the popular uh, uh, maps uh, directly into the box instead of having to download them. Yeah. So just just a lot of fixes and a few quality of life things to sort of bring the overall game up to speed with modern gaming. And then just said, here you go. Have fun. So, that's yeah, I'm pretty not sure cool. if it's something I'm going to check out, just because I'm not that great at RTS. I, I, I love watching uh, uh, StarCraft. It's one of those things that it's just fascinating to me, especially with how well some of the high-end players multitask and just the insane amount of micro going on. But it's also one of those things that I look and think, there's no way I could ever hope to even be a tenth of this good. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. Uh, I mean, it's free. Why not? And I, I do like RTS. I'm probably a lot worse at them than I think I am because I've never really gotten into the multiplayer scene for most RTS games. Um, but, you know, why not? So I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out maybe this week or next week. I, I downloaded it earlier. I haven't run the installer and the patcher yet, but I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. And who knows? I might even pick up the remastered edition if it's cheap enough. Yeah, that's the thing. I haven't found a lot of info on what they're doing exactly with the remastered edition. I've seen uh, some comparison screenshots, and a lot of it looks like it's just uh, really tightening up the graphics. Yeah. Which, Gra- I, you know, this is how old of a game? 20-year-old? Yeah, something like that. Didn't it come out in the mid-90s? Oh, damn, we're old. 
<laughs> I think the original StarCraft came out in, I want to say, 97? Well, let's put it that. this way. They say uh, the original StarCraft has been patched for the first time in eight in over eight years uh, on the Reddit thread. Yeah. Let's see. The fact that, like I said, they didn't have to make this free. StarCraft released in March 31st, 1998. So right at the 20-year mark. Yep. Coming up on it. Amazing just uh, how far StarCraft has come in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, StarCraft 2, honestly, is due for an overhaul. That game's pretty old as well. I mean, I know they've added to it in the last couple of years, but... You had the expansion packs, but the thing is that uh, there's been a lot of complaints about how well it runs that's not greatly optimized. Yeah. That it doesn't work well on modern systems ironically enough. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so shall we move along or? Yeah, let's move it along. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. Just I've yeah. had, I yeah. feel like this was a had to, like we had to mention mm-hmm. this. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, StarCraft, it's a staple of gaming. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, um, esports scenes. Well, I would say probably MMOs, well, uh, well, which are is a branch off of the RTS genre to begin with. So the strategy uh, genre, or the real-time strategy genre, is you know, the biggest of the esports scenes just in general. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a safe assessment to say if you are including Bobas into that, which I kind of am. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're strategy. So, all right. Next on our news topics, uh, Crytek Shanghai closes after not paying employees for six months. Yeah, this one was kind of out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, I, this story came out is today. Late, I think. Yeah, this is a late breaking story, so I'm assuming that there's going to be some follow up to this. Probably. Uh, I mean, in general, Crytek has been in trouble for a number of years. Uh, there's articles going all the way back to 2000, like late 2012, early 2013 discussing financial troubles that they've been having and uh throughout the last few years they've slowly been closing each and every one of their branches and yeah the, they're now uh, down to their home office yeah the uh, subsidiaries of uh Crytex, uh their uh, defunct uh, office list is rather lengthy <laughs> yeah on wikipedia and honestly, it seems like a lot of what Crytek is uh, floating on these days is just their technology. They're turning, uh, well, Valve is probably a bad example of this. Well, maybe not, but they're turning from a game company into something else. Uh, turning into a software company running off the CryEngine and the licensing of it. Because, yeah, well, let's just take a look at their games developed. Uh, the last, well... Real game is probably a bad time for it, but let's go for it because the other two are uh, either uh, uh, well. There's two uh, VR games and there's an iOS game, but Rise Son of Rome was the, their last triple uh, A title, and that was a release title for the Xbox One in 2013. Yeah, and Warface the same year, and Crisis Three in the same year. Then they've had let's see. The Collectibles, which was an iOS game that doesn't even have its own Wikipedia page. The Climb, which is an Oculus VR game. Uh, let's see, Robinson the Journey, which is a PlayStation VR title. 
And let's see, Hunt, uh, Horrors of the Gilded Age, which is coming out this year. And that's their lineup. Well, they have Arena of Fate, which is also uh, coming out at some point, but that's to be announced. But it's all coming down to their engine licensing. That's where their money is. There's a long list of uh, CryEngine games, but not a lot from Crisis themselves. So something has to give. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Crytek is pretty much... They, they In the past year, maybe in the past six months, they um, released sort of a, a dev kit... Dev kit's the wrong word. They, um... I get, no, dev kit might be the right word. They did sort of the same thing that Unreal has been doing for, I don't know, several years at this point, um, and made their uh, the Crytek engine available to much smaller developers... Uh, you can either license it or uh, sort of subscribe to it, or you could just buy it outright. And that's how they've been surviving for a long time. Trying to compete, I guess, with Unity? Maybe. Well. Although I've because always thought the, of their that, direct competitor that, as the Unreal Engine. Well, that's the big three for indie games these days is Unreal, uh, the Cry Engine, which uh, the Cry Engine has a rather lengthy list of games. Uh, uh, some of which are still in development. Let's see, Snow, uh, Sniper, Ghost Warrior 2. These are CryEngine 3 games. Uh, let's see, Beck Warrior Online is a CryEngine game. According I did to not this, know that. Uh, CryEngine 3. Of course, the Crisis games uh, are Cry- well, Crisis 2 and Crisis 3, uh, with Crisis 1 on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 being Cry- uh, CryEngine 3s. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, the CryEngine Five looks like it's only de- been developed in the l- or been updated to uh, in the last year or so because the last uh, the earliest games are 2016. So that's where their money has to be coming from. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, and it's just one of those things that this shows that. Uh, well, coders, uh, artists in the games industry need support. They need th- that union that we talked about ages ago. Yeah. Because, they do. uh, in any other industry, in any other industry, the unions would be on Crisis's ass for not paying their employees within a month, let alone six. But the thing is that there's so many starry eyed youngsters, boy. Boy, that phrase makes me sound old. <laughs> Indeed. Excuse me, let me go downstairs so I can grab my cane to shake at these people. But, yeah, these Astoria's uh, kids, just fresh out of high school, out of college, uh, wanting to get into the games industry, they'll put up with this shit, and there's an endless supply of them because the games industry ha- still has that mystique about it. You know, I get to go uh, work for a crisis. Well, I loved... Uh, f- uh, Far Cry uh, growing up. Gr- granted, you know, they've only made the original Far Cry, and uh, the other two were Ubisoft titles, but eh, eh, that's uh, splitting hairs at that point. The other four? Yeah. <laughs> the other, yeah, the other four Far Cry games? Two, three, Blood Dragon, and four. Yeah, yeah the other ones are just uh, Cry Engine only, with Ubisoft being the publisher and, the deve- and Ubisoft Mo- Montreal being the, the developer. But yeah, you know, that's the it's the, still the same thing. They're seeing Crisis, they're seeing Far Cry. And it's like I want to go work for Crisis, and 
getting absolutely shit on because they have no protection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Evolve it's, was a cry engine game. I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, if if a company, oh, sorry. I, I just saw Evolve and it's like <laughs> I had a giggle. I mean, if the company that I work for didn't pay me for more than one pay period, like if there was a mistake or whatever, okay, fine. You know, it happens sometimes. But if they didn't pay me for more than one pay period, I'd be looking for another job right then, and I'd leave as soon as possible. I couldn't imagine working six months for Omni without getting paid. It, well, like we talked about before, it's a mixture of just kids wanting to get into the industry because you know that the people that were not getting paid were not the old uh, guard at the company. These weren't the... Uh, the the senior well, people, yeah, senior uh, devs, the, the, the senior staff, uh, the, yeah. uh, the management. This was the coding pit, essentially. Yep. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a Reddit thread last month, which I must have missed, uh, from a uh, guy in Crowdtech uh, Shanghai talking about how you know, they were getting paid and trying to get attention to this. And, well... It, didn't happen until they uh, closed down their office. It's uh, astonishing that it's come to this, really. Yeah. They and have. This, and the, and uh, the Shanghai office was the one that was focusing on the company's VR projects as well. So that's the latest stuff from CrowdTech, not counting their core games that they're working on. Yeah. It looks like that Crytek has made a statement, and in the article, there's a picture of it that uh, is saying that they will pay people up through October. Oh, wait, is am I? Do, do you do you want to do you wish to read this? No, we don't have to read the whole thing. Just they're just saying that they're gonna pay people. So I don't know yeah, if there's but... some way we can hold them to that, but let's try and figure out if we can. I mean, these people deserve to be paid. They certainly were working. Yeah, but that's the thing is that they are uh, shutting down the office, so it's up to their honor, really. Yeah. And this is the Shanghai office, so you know, this is the Chinese office. So, and that may be down to that as well. You know, that may be part of it. Well, the a- most Asian cultures uh, really value loyalty, group loyalty, not necessarily yeah, true. just family. That may be, yeah, that may be part of the reason why they were able to you know, go six months without being paid is that it's that ingrained culture. And, uh, I know that especially true in the Japanese culture. I'm not sure about the Chinese culture. No, and, it, the, and, the, and the fact that if you uh, get those two mixed up, the, the two cultures, they get really pissed off, by the way. They do. I mean, that holds true for most East, Eastern cultures. Uh, Japan and South Korea and Vietnam are probably some of the biz- biggest examples of it. But Chinese culture holds pretty, pretty close to that, too. Uh, they're probably one of the ones that are stepping away from that the most between their population issues. Uh, and when I say that, I mean the the vast proportion of more males to females, uh, and then they're sort of being thrust into a more modern world. I mean, they still have a lot of issues with things like uh, censorship and uh, government propaganda. Uh, I mean, not that 
other places don't, but China is pretty I, bad about it. I was about, about to it. say, uh, wow, this sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, well, I mean, being coming from a, a still fairly communistical um, government structure, they've got a, a lot of it. Uh, but they're being thrust into the 21st century. You know, China is is believed to be the next superpower. So, I mean, they are being introduced to the world stage a lot more, and they are uh, indoctrinating a lot of Western values. I mean, they still have, uh, particularly in the older portions of the population, the strong Eastern um, family, you know, grouping, um, so selfless. So that will be wearing Chinese blue jeans and listening to their pop music? Chinese pop music, I hope not. I'd rather have J-pop. <laughs> and you're probably already wearing Chinese blue jeans. You are thinking also... I'm wearing pants, huh? Yeah, fair enough. I'm wearing pajama pants. Well, silence. thanks, dude. <laughs> went really quiet. Yeah, I was going to say, I you went silent on me there. Well, I was drinking some water. Fair play, fair play. Because but, I can't uh, run my fan because it uh, makes too much background noise. Yeah. So thanks, uh, or this is welcome to the the cultural education portion of the podcast. <laughs> Me just dropping some of my cultural education and training on you guys. Whether or not you you know that sort of thing, I'm just I'm going to gift it to you because you're here listening to me. Wait, does this mean I get Steam trading cards from you? No. Ah, damn. <laughs> I don't really know how much more I have to say about this. Just, it's surprising to read this headline, but then when you go back and look at the history of what's been of happening Crytek to having, Crytek, uh, some, yeah, having some severe financial issues for ages, and the fact that, uh, well, I didn't realize just how many of their offices had closed over the last. Well, they have four offices here listed closing in 2016, with one closing in 2017. Yeah. I mean, the next year or two are going to be sort of make or break years for them. Either they'll, you know, through downsizing and refocusing on what's most profitable for them, they'll make a comeback or they just won't be able to recover and they'll Honestly, be gone I'm in a year or so. I'm, I'm going to say if the next, well, they have three games in the pipe right now, according to the Wikipedia article. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but yeah, what the hell. If these games don't take off, I'm fully expecting to see Crytek focus to be a software development company, a game tool development company. Yeah. And licensing their Crytek engine and developing new behind-the-scenes tech and stop being a game developer. Which is sad, but it uh, seems to be running that course anyway. I I bet Amazon will buy them. Amazon already has a special version of the Cry engine that they've made modifications to. It's called yeah, true. I forgot about something that. like the timber line or tim timber something lumber engine. timber something yeah yeah i'm just gonna call it the, lumberjack because i want to the, there was wood involved they've got the lumber <laughs> i see what you did there they've got the lumberjack engine i don't think that's actually its name that's what i'm gonna call it so i wouldn't be surprised if amazon buys them up because amazon has it, been doing that are a you lot. saying it's okay yeah it's okay Sleeps all night. He works all day. <laughs> um, but Amazon has been doing that a lot in the last few years. I mean, they bought Twitch. Uh, they've started to integrate Twitch a lot more. They're trying to bring in game devs and publish titles um, on their own, or you know, sort of under Amazon. They've got one of the best gaming platforms to get mobile games from. 
They offer free stuff all the time. I mean, Amazon is yeah, really making this push. And, th- and through Twitch, they're also developing their own uh, game digital game distribution site. Uh, well, service. Yeah, with uh, I forget what it's called, but it's the that Twitch sponsored whatever, whether you buy games. Uh, on a Twi- Twitch streamer's page. Yeah, which and- is kind of scummy. <laughs> it, it's one of those things that it, it makes me a uh, leery, little leery because, oh, damn. Uh, that could lead to some severe misre- misrepresentation of games. That And also, some games work a lot better as a Twitch game than you know, uh, being played themselves. Yeah. I think overall it's a good idea that is going to have to go through some growing pains. Yeah, there's going to be some severe exploitation of that system uh, that they have to uh, deal with ASAP. Yeah. Um, but so I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon bought Crytek if they go under. I mean, who knows what they would become at that point, but I bet Amazon would buy them. You would say uh, they'll be ingrained in Amazon's wood? Yeah, they will. <laughs> Uh, so moving swiftly along indeed let's move swiftly along out of the news and into community corner and we are going to start with ghost sharks very long fonzie oh ma hey here's a ghost shark good evening so you guys were talking about star wars vehicles or ships yesterday uh, last week and uh of course you know that's just an invitation for me to join in um it, it, this is basically going to be a chance for me to flex my Star Wars nerdness without fear of uh, who am I kidding uh, you guys know me by now um, w- without having to worry about like putting my input in when it's not really required because you know you guys are talking about Star Wars so you opened the floodgates so you guys uh, Kyle was mentioning about the logistics behind manning something that big uh, one thing to kind of note with and it's it came up in one of the more recent movie uh books uh just what the imperial navy eats um generally the uh the general consensus is that they eat nutrient paste um sometimes there's different flavors and stuff like that but it's just all all in all just boring bland efficient um are there restaurants on ships and like stations like the death star and much smaller stations too uh, yeah, there are, but it's generally frowned upon in Imperial Navy uh, society or culture to eat regularly at those places. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly the wording behind why they why they mentioned this, but it's something along the lines of basically you don't want to look like you're too much better than everybody else. Um, something about uniformity and trying to fit in. So uh, that's one thing. So when you're when you're feeding an entire military based on uh, a handful of flavors of food or, or goop you know you don't really have to worry about storing too much in the way of, you know different things uh you know when your menu choice is a b c or d you know you only have to have four different containers worth of stuff to to hold um that being said looking at logistics outside of the star wars universe for uh on big ships like that and most sci-fi things that i've read it doesn't always have to these things are constantly supplied by other ships uh if you look at it you with hydroponics and things like that you could have a ship that would support itself 
Now, granted, that would mean there's more weight and more power and more engines needed to push the thing around through space, uh, which then means you're you're going to need more people to power and you know to run everything, which then means you're going to need more food supplies, which means more hydroponics and so on. It's a vicious cycle, but it's not out of the ordinary. Most of the books that I've seen and or you know read and movies and stuff that a ship can be self-supporting. Um, and honestly, we you kind of look at what some of the scientists are planning for long-haul missions, and there is an, an uh, there is a bit of self-sufficiency that is going to be put into long-term missions. So um, that's a thing. Now you could kind of drop some of these hydroponics bays and other you know, reclamation facilities and stuff down by uh like you guys had mentioned having droids you know just more power plants to recharge and uh repair these th- those kinds of things uh, that would take up less space over the long term than food supplies uh and you would be able to get by on less crews so you could shrink the, the vessel down or at least keep the vessel down to more manageable levels where crude compart you know except for where crude compartments are so uh, uh, oh yeah, Death Star legit. So I got to doing a little research and just looking at numbers. This is off of Wikipedia. Uh, you're looking at somewhere between 1.1 to 1.2 million personnel. Uh, I believe that is including any Navy and Army uh, complement outside of running station. Um, I think that includes that number includes it along with almost 26,000 stormtroopers. Uh, that's coming out of some Star Wars guide book that was made written years ago probably but that's not that important. Anyway, um the fact of the matter is yes, there's probably a lot of supplies that would be going in there. Um a lot of it we probably wouldn't have seen on the uh on the movie just because of the fact that it as big as the space station is, as small as some of those resupply ships would have been, been seeing them buzzing uh behind the curtains talk uh they probably wouldn't have thought about that back in the day anyway, or had the technology to make, you know, that kind of special effects. Uh, well, efficiently or cost-effectively, let's put it that way. So uh, just as a frame of reference, I also did a little digging at some of the other ships around. And uh, looking at the Imperial Star Destroyer, any major numbers on that? I do seem to remember that there was... No, I still can't find it. Yes, there is. Um, about... 35,000 to 40,000 people on a single star destroyer. So, again, two years worth of consumables. Um, that would be something that could easily be supplied fairly regularly, uh, with the fact, you know, considering that all the Imperial Navy ran on. But I guess the point I'm trying to make about it is you look at these kind of numbers and, you know, looking, thinking of futuristic type uh, storage and transportation, it wouldn't be completely unheard of. Or it probably wouldn't be out of the ordinary to, to be able to mass uh, equip a ship of that size or keep it running supplies. So, I don't know. The, the other thing I was going to mention, too, is if you doing some research, I, I looked into all of these sizes and crew complements and things like that. And there are places where there's differing numbers. You can kind of chalk that up to the dark days between the movie and uh, between the original trilogy and the books. That started coming out in the 90s-ish era. The Timothy Zahn series that started it all uh, after the the franchise kind of died out a little bit. Um, the 
the dark times, as I call them, the only things, the only new information Star Wars wise that was coming out around the time was the old West End games role playing game. And the creators of that, or the people who wrote stuff for that, took some pretty strange liberty uh, when it came to sizes like that. Uh, case in point, I forgot to look it up. So uh, the Tie Scout. If anybody's not familiar with the Tie Scout, is it's essentially uh, it's been in some of the computer games, uh, but it's essentially if you take the Tie Advanced, which is what what Vader used in Episode Four, uh, and you add a second story to it, essentially that's what you get. Now. Computer game comics and stuff, artist interpretation show it as basically what I meant, what I said, where it's a uh, a two story kind of double decker bust style tie advanced. Uh, and what it was designed to do was it didn't have any weapon, no, no weaponry. It was just equipped with a whole bunch of uh, high end electronics and surveillance, and it had uh, like three uh, pilot and or. Uh, systems officer and it was basically just something that would jump in be able to record uh report on whatever's going on in this need to be jump back out but essentially it was just advanced eyes another fleet but when you look at the technical specification of the thai scout uh it says it has a length of 24 meters that seems a bit off and when you look at the thai advanced um like i said since it has basically same size uh, length of these things, V1, that is the prototype model from Rebels, the TIE Advanced X1 has a length of 9.2. Now, like I said, everything lore, well, everything picture-wise and artists have made shows what I've said, a double-decker TIE Advanced. Um, at 9.2 meters for the TIE Advanced, there's no way that's going to work. I've actually seen a drawing where somebody had re- had drawn the supposedly the scout to correct proportions, and it ended up looking like a stretch limoed tie advanced. So, what am I getting out of this? There is some pretty crazy inconsistencies when you start really getting into the weeds of all Star Wars, uh, depending on what source it came from and when that was created. Uh, there's some pretty oddball numbers that got thrown out. The tie, uh, the the Corellian Corvette is another example where. Uh, in canon, well, in the old Legends canon, uh, there were several that had been designed as a pocket carrier with a flight deck and uh, all kinds of things like that. In newer canon, like in Rebels, that we've seen, you see that there's just no way those things are too small to be able to have a hangar bay in the forward deck, which is usually where they said this thing was at. So. It, it's all good. It's Star Wars. It's fun. It's a story. It's a cool story. Um, well, if you're into it. Sorry, Kim. I'm I'm ranting again. But uh, yeah, it's uh, well. I mean, maybe they maybe they acquired TARDIS technology from from the uh, Time Lord to make some of their ships bigger on the out inside than they are on the outside. I don't know. Anyway, um, that's about all I had for the Star Wars stuff. Oh, one thing I did have real quick to finish it up. Uh, my book recommendation since Jared was talking about the arc, whatever, I can't remember what it was right now. Um, sorry, Jared. But the uh, my recommendation is a series called The Chris Longanite, and it's essentially the tale of a uh, princess. She is in, she's of a royal family uh, on a kind of a backwater planet that is basically backwater in name only. Uh, 
they're fairly they're, they're much more advanced and, uh, you know just as advanced in terms of technology as the old cradle worlds earth and you know the older colonies worlds and stuff but uh essentially it's just her going from a buck ensign all the way up to eventually becoming an admiral uh her misadventures through the way and along the way but what i find awesome about it is the fact that the uh the tech it's it's very realistic um it's newtonian newtonian physics in terms of how flight works so it's very ksp-ish you know where you have to deal with trajectories and angle making orbits and uh things like that rather than the traditional star wars way of it's fluid space and you fly around like you inside of liquid a boat so uh cool technology or cool instances of where there was thought put out like um the constant acceleration where uh, you know where you're burning from a jump point to a planet you know you're out you constantly have the engine on till the halfway point and then you flip ship and you're decelerating backwards till you come up on wherever you're supposed to be at um things like that uh combat is either lining up trajectories and coming alongside each other and turning it into a slugging match of just shooting lasers back and forth because you can't outmaneuver you know and get away without showing your tail in your engines and becoming vulnerable or it's lining up a passing shot with terms of trajectory and you have several hours of boredom and paranoia and then a split second worth of shooting and exchanging volleys and then you see how badly you did or how badly the enemy uh really cool stuff and as far as logistics goes it's more manageable where there is an element of self-sufficiency in terms of you know water and basic necessities like that but there isn't much in the way of growing food on the ship just because of how much room it would take and most of these ships are fairly they're designed off of the idea of this constant acceleration uh where you know if the ship's moving you have gravity from the acceleration and you can walk around like normal but when you're stationary at a dock or a space station or whatever unless you're hooked up to a spinning space station you are pretty much at the mercy of zero zero gravity or microgravity i don't know it's a cool book it's a cool series i enjoy it and since somebody recommended one last week i figured we'll try throwing this one in again see if anybody picks it up if you do let me know because eh, i'd be interested in talking about it um it is a long series i think they're up to book 11 now but starting from the beginning it's still a good read and it's fun so all right that's enough i've talked to you guys ears off way too much again i said it's gonna be short and it's not so sorry about that i will shut up so you guys can later all right thank you very much go shark for your long star wars thing um i don't i didn't realize that they ate bowls of snot yeah that's what i was trying to say last week uh from the ahsoka book uh with their entire like planet devoted to growing stuff that's like they turn it into paste and like that's described in the book i don't think i said well, that but well, i'm just well i'll just uh fall back to the matrix term you know uh, bolus not yeah mostly because it's a lot more descriptive what is it that they say that if you taste like shredded wheat or something like that <laughs> it's been a while since i've seen the matrix i should watch the matrix 
Well, that's a here's great the thing movie. is that maybe everything tastes like chicken because the machines, they can't figure out what chicken tastes like. So they make it taste like everything. I love that. That's probably my favorite sort of, I don't know, parallel or descriptor from the movie. It's like, <laughs> holy crap. No, no, don't you what mean? If? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Those are pretty close to sync. It's going to be close enough. Um, so You're going to edit that so it syncs up. You have to. <laughs> I'll do my best. So, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I enjoy your rebuttal. I actually really enjoyed listening to this and learning things, but I don't really know if I have anything to add to the discussion on it. I mean, we go back and forth on Star Wars a lot uh, here lately on the show and with Star Wars RPG and all of that. So, I mean, it's good to learn, and that's an interesting sort of rebuttal or addendum you had uh, to what the discussion we had last week, and uh, I appreciate that, Ghost. I do want to say when you brought up the book, uh, I went and looked at your book recommendation, uh, the Chris Longknife series. They look really interesting, and uh, I'm going to buy the first one and read it, and if I like it, I'll buy the rest of them. Because I, it's been a while since I've really sat down and read some books, and I do enjoy, I, I mean, I listen to audiobooks all the time, but I do enjoy from time to time just sitting down and reading a book, and after we move, I think I'm going to take a couple of days to chill uh and that would be a great time to read through a whole book or two or three or however many it takes till the internet comes back up yeah so uh thank you for the become a frequent visitor of the local library i don't think dayton has a library maybe they do we could still go to the cleveland library though that's what we do now polk county has a library but it's really crappy Oh, I bet I have a worse library than you. Probably, but the Cleveland Library is real nice. Let's so we put go there. it this way: uh, the local library it's uh, it's in this old donated house, and the sci-fi slash fantasy section is this closet in this old bedroom of the house. Oh, it's man, not even got- a walk-in closet. It yo yo you pull back. It has the uh, sliding door. And it'd be like, you know, the clothes hang up right there. That's where they put the, uh, <laughs> the bookshelf. Nice. I The Cleveland Library has, I think, 14 shelves of sci-fi and fantasy. Or 14 bookcases. Not shelves. This one, I think, would uh, classify as two. Granted, uh, a lot of it, you know, you, you would have to... Uh, you do have the uh, inner library system where you could... Uh, have them bring in books from other libraries, but, but yeah. let's just put it this way: I, it was not the shoot. I'm, now I'm trying to think of the uh, uh, proper name of the series, but there was uh, well, I tried. Uh, it wasn't uh, this one, but there was another series I was trying to get. I tried to get the uh, Dresden Files series. Out of the entire county system, they had uh, books two, and I think. Six. <laughs> well, that's a problem. And <laughs> and both of them were low down as well. <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm. It's. Just, I was trying to think of the other series. I was trying to get. Uh, it wasn't Jim Butcher, even though I've mentioned him twice so far in different series. Uh, but there was another uh, uh, fantasy series. Uh. 
oh shoot now i'm uh, uh blanking on the uh, series it it was amber crombie he, he, one of his book uh series and i'm uh, uh phil tom i'm looking it up now okay uh, the one thing I think that I miss the most from Kerbalcast at this point is when they used to go on discussions about books and have book recommendations. So, for the, can I make a request for the question of the week? The first law trilogy. The what? The first law books. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Uh, but can Th- I make... Think of almost a, a Game of Thrones-esque. I love Game of Thrones. I'm only on book actually, two. It's, actually, it looks up like it's up to six uh, novels now. Uh, there, there's uh, the first Law trilogy, and then there's uh, other novels. I was looking for uh, books in that series, and the and the uh, librarian. I said, uh, "It's by Joe Amber Crombie," and she looked at me. Who? Well, there are a lot of authors in. Yeah, well, well, true, but uh, uh, considering the book quote uh, is from George R. R. Martin. <laughs> Or Martin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... He's not an unknown author. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, so for this week's question of the week, can I make a request that people uh, make book recommendations? Uh, if you must. <laughs> okay. I must. I need some new reading material, I think. But, uh, so yeah, that was Go Shark. Um... Well, you already have my recommendation, the Codex Hilarious series. That's six books. Yeah. Uh, this series is, I think, 14 books. Uh, Ghost, yeah, 14. Ghost or said, I could always throw in uh, the other Jim Butcher series, Dresden Files. That's, I think, up to 15 now. I've heard, I, I mean, I've heard of the Dresden Files. I've never read them, but I've heard of them. Damn good series. I've, I think I'm only up to book nine myself. I need to finish it off at some point. Grand, uh, the series is still ongoing, but eh. It's urban fantasy, so I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Ghost said that. He said, I, I think it was 11 books in the series, but there's actually 14, which not a huge issue, but I went and looked, and I was like, no, there's And welcome back 11. to the book portion of the podcast. Yep. So anyways, uh, move, let's move it on to what would be, at this point, the question of the week. Oh, well, the question of the week uh, for last week was, what would be or was your VR system seller? And we had Groove uh, to chiming in. Cheaper price tag and more real games. <laughs> <laughs> Which, bingo, Groove. Uh, there's mine as well. Uh, Jim, I uh, tried the EVR demo that people were playing in the background of uh, video that he linked. Closest thing to Wing Commander and VR I'd seen. Which that's a, a a game series that's kind of died off. Wing Commander. Yeah. 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 It has. Um. Well, uh, but... <laughs> we figured out what mine would be. Uh, get it for free when you buy something else. <laughs> Which sounds. Ter- I really am excited about it. I'm excited to try it out, and I'm especially excited that it was. I don't know an add-on, a pack-in, whatever you want to call it. So that's pretty cool. And our only other tweet, well, we did have one from Jim talking about Subnautica, but that's a very timely tweet. And unfortunately, by the time the podcast comes out, the sale for Subnautica would be bye-bye. So we'll just uh, skip over that to uh, our other tweet. Kyle, uh, hey, VGL uh, podcast community, I have an itch to play Torchlight again. What class should I roll with? The community decides. 
And unfortunately, I don't remember Torchlight all that much. I I beat it, uh, but I remember Torchlight 2 a lot more, and I enjoyed the Engineer class, which I'm not sure was in the original Torchlight. I think the what I played was a melee class, which I ended up having problems with the uh, last section of the game because it turned out to be a lot of ranged characters in <laughs> the fight. I've never played I did, Torchlight. I, I did tweet him and uh, say that when he gets to Torchlight 2, I'd like to join him because I need an excuse to play through that again. And that does have online multiplayer. You should be, just looking at the three classes, you should be the Vanquisher. Number one, called the Vanquisher. Hello. <laughs> Number two, girl. Number three, Ranged weapons and traps. So that is my recommendation for uh, the class see. you should play. Having never played Torchlight, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure I was the Destroyer class, and the other option is the Alchemist, which is essentially a mage. Yeah, that's who I would play if I was going to play this game, but I'm not. But the the fun part is that uh, the uh, the these classes are not played in the second game because of, well, reasons. Teasing. Tweeting back to Kyle right now. (laughs) My tweet to him is very different from what I said right here. What, you just want him to be a chick? Uh, But if well, that's the community corner. If you wish to uh, contribute to the community corner's ma- absolute madness, you could uh, tweet us at BGL Podcast on Twitter or email us BGL Podcast at gmail.com. Woo! All right. Well, let's move on to what is one of our favorite portions of the podcast to do <laughs> Discovery Keel. And your least Steam favorite page. to edit. Yeah, it's not so bad. I'm getting better at it. <laughs> uh, the music makes it better. And by better, I mean lazier. The music helps, though, because <laughs> you can have a few extra seconds of silence with the the background music. It just makes it less bad. <laughs> uh, Speaking of less bad, that's definitely not my cue this week. hey Yep. Uh, let's see, I got Sniper Ghost Warrior 3, which I've never played the series before. But it's a pre-order, which you know you shouldn't be doing. Thou shalt not pre-order. I think I played Sniper Ghost Warrior 2? Or maybe 1? I'm not sure, but that's... I mean, it's it's pretty intense. It's like the full... Sniping experience. Sniping experience. You have to account for wind well, and... Well, there... Uh, well, there if... If this is the series I think it is, there's uh, different uh, uh, balancing things that you can turn on and off to make it more arcadey or more realistic. But it uh, looks fairly decent. Uh, grand, yeah, pre-order, so you shouldn't be doing that. And it does have a season pass as well, which looks like it's uh, looks like it's all just added stuff, added uh, toys more than anything else, which. It's not what I like seeing in a season pass, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Ooh, here's a, here's a good one. Siberia 3. So the Siberia series is 
kind of a combination of old school point and clicks with modern 3D um, adventure type games, but it's not the Telltale model. I mean, it, it really is, I guess, I don't know, 3D point and click would be maybe a little bit too on the nose, but uh, <laughs> it's much more like that than it is like a Telltale game. <laughs> what? Oh, this looks terrible. Okay, well, Siberia uh, uh, 3, so- though, good game. The first two are really good. The only problem I see with this one is it's got uh, De Novo, which, you know, might be terrible. Yeah. But I'm going to yeah, put it I'm, on the list. I, 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 yeah, I put the name of the game I found. I, I want you to read that. Okay. Let's see. Caveman World Mountains of Ungabunga. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this my. looks absolutely terrible. So bad I have to add it. No, that's terrible. I'll put Cyber 3 on my wish, my wish list. Oh, this is... Oh, this is absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, who made this? Uh, someone that shouldn't be proud of it. That's what. That's who. <laughs> it looks like it's a self-published game. Uh, it's a self-published game. And it looks like it's... Oh, okay, okay. Uh, this is a game dev that does a lot of uh, essentially trading card build games. And I have quite a few of them. Some of them uh, the review copy. Some of them uh, I think they are given away for free. This is really Which, interesting looking. Grayphobia. It's a third person action RPG but it's got a really interesting art style. Uh, it looks like I got another uh, uh, CCG. Uh, this is uh, not quite like what Feria does. Uh, it's a free-to-play. I'll, I'll throw it on the list because it actually looks somewhat decent in early access, though. Okay. Oh, sorry. I, I'm going to have to change this on the list so uh, I'm ahead of you on that. So Because I, the show notes I always have uh, in alphabetical order. It's always backwards uh, on uh, our uh, written notes. Oh, uh, this is sh- uh, Shardbound. This is a uh, CCG tacti- uh, tactical CCG game, uh, which is uh, uh, kind of an emerging genre. Granted, I have no idea how good this is, but it's interesting looking. If you don't want Faria, and it's on your wish list. But then again, what isn't these days? Yeah, I was gonna say I've I've heard of that game and have it on my wish list. I've never played it. This is terrible, absolutely terrible. The, as bad as what I listed? It worse. The Last Hope, Trump versus Mafia. Oh, God. You are Trump, president of all the countries. <laughs> Shortly after being sworn in, you travel to Europe for a conference, but your airplane is shot down by Mafia members. The Mafia and terrorists from all X countries join forces against you. Now you have to fix this mess. Uh, and, I mean, it just looks like digital homicide levels are bad I'm putting it on the list as a go look at this and be sad or something yeah let's see I'm on the, I'm at the end of our discovery queue I'm about halfway through yeah this is 
looks like uh, well, this is a fantasy RPG that's focused on turn-based party-based uh, tactical combat. Interesting. It it's a very minimalistic graphics. It's called Low Magic Age. It doesn't look terrible. Oh, it's I put early that, access though. I put that on the list last week. Oh, I did? oh okay. Oh. This shows how much I pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> but it showed up in my queue. I mean, if you like it enough to put it on yours too, I don't see why yeah. you. Well, you shouldn't. Nah, I'll be lazy. Besides, I already have three. But that's my cue, Don. Well, I'm blowing through my list. I'm getting a lot of trash. Yeah, I'm not even uh, not even trash enough to laugh at. No, not good enough to mention. Yeah, that's my whole that's my whole cue, Don. I got three too: <laughs> Siberia three, Gray Phobia, and. The Last Hope, Trump versus Mafia. Mm. <laughs> I just decided to look. I actually have a review copy of Last Hope, Trump versus Mafia. <laughs> well, you could play it if you, I guess, wanted to torture yourself for 30 minutes. It looks real bad. And it's oh, not yeah. even just the con, like the their concept or their tagline or whatever it just looks real bad yeah let's see who made this looks like oh okay okay oh all right it this is essentially a a reskin of their previous game which was just as bad by the way if not worse shockingly enough the only difference looks like that it's in first person instead of third person, but just look up The Last Hope. It's essentially the same game, only... Oh. Let's see. <laughs> uh, key features of this game. Travel through different eras of time. Find resources like fruit, fish, beer, water, and more that will help you stay alive. Explore countries like Germany, Russia, US, Norway, Egypt, United Kingdom... Uh, there's no uh, continuation or uh, let's see be pilot driver or sailor <laughs> oh. this looks real bad too yeah they essentially are casting in on people buying random Trump games why, why is this a thing by the way could, could someone explain this to me I can't well that's because you're banned from the Donald Oh, I got ba- I got banned from r slash uh, Xbox One for a couple of days this week. <laughs> what, you're letting your glorious tags flow? <laughs> yeah, there's been uh, a whole bunch of, like, Scorpion stuff because it got a leak or something last week. There's been a whole bunch you of You mean people... Scorpio? Yeah, the Scorpio. I'm still waiting for Sagittarius. That needs to be a Taurus. That's my sign. But anyways, like there have been quite a few people posting stuff about it, and I just one day decided to be really snarky, and on every one of those posts that just people one? Were, were asking, well, you know, people were asking about <laughs> the Xbox One, I went in and posted everything, like, why would you buy this when you could just buy a PC? Like, some <laughs> something like that, like, why you could be, uh, you could keep gaming on your PC, or you could just get a better PC, or something like that, you know, stuff Halo. like that. And I got banned for 
what's the first band 24 hours 72 hours something like that i mean i don't go on xbox one very often <laughs> are you still permanent are you permanently banned from the donald yeah yeah i'm permanently banned from the donald well i think you're oh i think i've uh, figured out something for you to do i got uh, just go to the library uh make a new reddit account and just see how long it takes you to get banned I've had two or three accounts get permanently banned from our slash the Donald. I've got a, a Reddit account where I only post like fan fiction. I got it banned from our slash the Donald. <laughs> I've got a Reddit account for um, like posting weird stories that I don't want tied to my normal account. <laughs> That's been banned from our slash the Donald. And then I've got specifically an account where I'm just like an asshole to everybody on the internet, and that's been banned from r slash the Donald. And that's JMA4707, right? Nope, I'm not going to tell you what any of those are. The only Reddit account you can know what it is is old and busted. That's my my main account. That's old underscore and underscore busted. And if you wish to let them know exactly... Oh, wait, we're not there yet. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, that's both of our discovery cues, which means that we are headed that direction. It's time for the portion of the podcast where I go first, where I tell you about my stuff. Uh, So let's start with scheduling. Um, If everything continues to go well, which it seems like it is, we're waiting to hear back from one of the inspectors uh, that really wants a a window to be fixed. Uh, it's gotten broken, like a, a lawnmower or something has slung a rock He just the wants window. to get the install up to Windows 10. Ha ha. But uh, I think I'd rather die for than put Windows 10 <laughs> in my actual windows of my house. But anyways, as long as there's no problem with that, we're looking to close on the house uh, next week, uh, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like in there. Uh, and if that's the case, we're, we're going to try real hard to just move next week. I mean, we've got a good chunk of our house packed, and we're going to pack some more stuff this week and this weekend, which means that next week will be the last, well, not the last, but the the last one before the move, I guess, uh, episode that we'll, we're going to do live. And then there's going to be at least one week of Franken content for sure, because I won't have my internet hooked up at the house. And maybe two weeks if there's some problem or something and it takes Meanwhile, Jer just goes absolutely nuts and I'm getting uh, tweets. Help me. I mean, I've downloaded a ton of, of uh, PS2 no, 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 ROMs. No, no, and... no, no, no. I'm going to get text from Katie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's driving me nuts. He's going crazy. Here's there's a, here, no internet. Here's a bus ticket. Keep him busy. <laughs> <laughs> but so after, I mean, next week. There won't be any any streams because, I mean, we're going to record Tuesday night next week. I'm going to edit real quick and then pack up my PC. So there won't be any streams next week for sure. No nothing. And this week should be on track for normal stuff, but who knows? So that's, I mean, that's just what VGL is going to look like. Next week, we'll have another live episode. And then at the very least, the next week. We'll be doing it live? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a normal recorded episode, and then the next week will be Franken content, and then maybe the next week will be more Franken content. We have four Franken episodes. I really don't want to have to use them all, but you know there could be problems. But we, I think just one or two <laughs> will will cover us. 
So there's that. Uh, as for what's coming up on my YouTube channel, a lot of divinity. Um, I want to get yeah, all my have, what twenty episodes back. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's four or five new ones that will have gone up this past week. Um, so, yay. Uh, and I want to get through all of them before I have to pack up all my stuff. Because if they get lost, I like perhaps literally lost in the move, I doubt it. But Or more likely, if they get broken. You don't want to have to rip my copy. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So I my goal is to get all of those done. And I have up through episode 26 that I, in the last few days, have rendered. Uh, they're not uploaded yet. I'm up through episode 16 that's uploaded. And then through t- episode 25 or 26 rendered and everything ready to go. Uh, and my goal is to do the rest of them by next week at this time. And there are going to be many of them posted. So, hooray for that. Um, Ooh, content. Ooh. <laughs> and then, that, you know, after that, I have many ideas that I want to c- try and try out, see how they go. But we're still a few weeks away from trying those out. As for other things that I do, uh, I stream two nights a week when I'm not moving house on Twitch. You can find me over on twitch.tv slash jrther4707. Play all kinds of games, multiplayer stuff with Rage and, and people from our audience slash community. So if you want to come participate, you can come view and discuss at, once again, jrther4707 or twitch.tv slash jrther4707. And uh, if you want to join in on some of the games, uh, hop on over to our Discord, which we occasionally post links to or plug. <laughs> if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. Uh, tweeted a lot about naps the last few days. I'm very tired right now. Uh, also, I tweet about political things and video games and random stuff I find on the interwebs that I think is funny or infuriating. One of the two. You can follow me at JMA4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, where that I will talk to anybody and accept any friend request because I assume that everybody is cool and so far no one has proven me wrong, my Steam username is JRthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is bamboozled. I feel like you've used bamboozled before, have you? I didn't see it on my list. Okay. You've used a uh, lot of words, uh, so... I use the present tense, not the past. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, do you need to step away for just a moment? Okay. Okay, quickly out of the elevator, because... Well, let's put it this way. Two and a half liters of water in a hot room doesn't work well for podcasting. I gotcha. I gotcha. I'll probably go with the static transition, which is one that I use for <laughs> really quick cuts that that don't seem to flow together well. It's just like a half a second of like... Yeah, let's just put it this way. I'm going to see if the fan uh, actually can be edited out because it is 82 degrees in my room right now. Oh, jeez, that is way too hot, man. (laughs) See, I've been suffering for you guys. It's 67 or 68 degrees in here right now. And that's why I've been drinking water like crazy today. Yeah, the new office has got a little bitty air conditioner in it. Hopefully it's not too loud. But if it's not, oh man, it's going to be like 50 degrees from now on every time we do these recordings. <laughs> hey, I'm suffering for you guys. What can I say? Yes, you are. 
Uh, but, uh, speaking of suffering, let's get to my content. Indeed. <laughs> What's going on on your channel? Oh, uh, well, things are pretty much stable for now. I need to record more Halo Combat Evolved. I'm out of my episodes, and I was kind of in a funk over the Easter weekend, so I didn't get to record. Uh, just, that's why the Sunday sampler didn't happen. Uh, I could have probably recorded it, but it was just, uh, just family stuff, I guess. And just didn't feel like recording, so I ended up just skipping, uh, well, Divinity, which I have one episode remaining of my backlog, which that's going to be on hiatus. Uh, I may just uh, hold that one episode until you get back uh, from your uh, move and let us uh, sync back up. Right. So that I can fall behind again? Yeah, exactly. Or you'll just start releasing episodes early. I yell at you for releasing episodes early, and then you fall behind. <laughs> Which happened before. Indeed. Because you were like a full episode ahead of me at one point. But then again, you also don't really have a set schedule like I do. Nope. Oh, uh, let's see. RimWorld, um, I have, I'm still ongoing on that one series. I have no idea how, <laughs> because damn... This is over double my uh, previous record now, it, which is just astonishing to me. I have no idea when it's going to end at this point, which means that probably next recording session, the next uh, first episode, yo, everybody dies of dysentery or something. <laughs> hey, I've had two bouts of malaria so far, and I've only lost one out of six people, but it's absolutely drained my medical supplies. Hey, but uh, you're in the colony now. Woohoo! Yeah, and, uh, well, Katie's probably going to be pissed at me. <laughs> Why? Um, well, uh, congratulations for getting married, Katie. <laughs> Who did she marry? Um, well, let's just put it this way. There was a celebratory crate. Oh, nice! <laughs> Yeah, what can I say? She must be attracted to the smell of rancid, uh, well, jambalaya. Yeah, she's attracted to something weird. She married me. <laughs> oh, and Kyle showed up as well. And he's fucking useless. Yeah, how's that different from usual? <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah, Rimworld's been interesting. Uh, a lot of missteps of course i mean i'm at over 50 episodes of it now in this particular place uh playthrough but it's been a learning experience and of course divinity which is probably gonna well like i said it's gonna go on hiatus i need to record something to fill that time slot but i'm not sure what i may just you know back off and you know just run the two let's play series for a bit until uh jared decides that you know, uh, I'm done having a life. I'm ready to record some more. Done and done. Darn you, Jared. <laughs> Poor Katie. No wonder she ran off with Groove. Yeah, I don't blame her. Uh, but let's see. Of course, the Sunday Sampler should be returning this week. I have a couple interesting candidates. Assuming something doesn't yeah, uh, make me... Have trouble recording because that sometimes pops up, or sometimes I'm just in a funk and don't feel like recording. And you can find all that over at Came with Caffeine Rage on uh, YouTube, uh, the podcast showing up there as well. 
Or if you watch the CB tweeting somewhat randomly about somewhat random stuff, I did have a couple political tweets uh, lately. Uh, actually, somewhat positive news coming out of my state about medical marijuana, which is a little shocking to see. Well, one, my backwards-ass state wanting to get rid of opioids, because opioid addiction is just rampant here. But also, positive news about my state. That's weird. Let's just put it this way. The records of uh, police arrests and just all the oddities that happened here was as open as it is in Florida. We'd have West Virginia, man. (laughs) Virginia, man. Hey, West Virginia, man. Different state. West Virginia, man. But it doesn't flow as well as Florida, man, so maybe not. Florida, man. Uh, but that's gaming of CR. I don't stream yet. I've been thinking about that, but it's one of those things that I need to get a, a second monitor really make it to have it make sense. And well, that's it for my stuff. So, uh, podcast stuff. If you wish to uh, contact, contact, contact us, speak well, I do not. Uh, you can find us once again, uh, over at BGL podcast on Twitter, or you could email us. BGL podcast at gbl.com with your letters, voicemails, and gaming related subjects, even though it seems like it doesn't have to be gaming related to get on the podcast. <laughs> well, to be fair, there are Star Wars games, a few of them. Yeah, maybe one or two. Uh, if you wish to pay for this absolute badness, you could help us with our Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash BGL podcast. All donations are greatly appreciated. And if you're not uh, getting this through our RSS feed, you can find us over at bglpodcast.podbean.com. Or if you wish to use iTunes or Google Play, you can find us there as well. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incomputech.com. And our discovery key music is Doobly Doo, also by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music still at incomputech.com. And as the music starts to roll over Jared's voice... Yeah, words to let the music roll. <laughs> then I say, why the Two fuck do you keep row, messing but... me up? <laughs> Bye bye now. Because it's fun. That's why. Bye bye now. And this time it was actually on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Bye bye.